0: Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to be joined by Seth Kaiser of The Athletic. He covers the Kansas City Chiefs from the film room. We'll get his analysis on all things Chiefs football when he joins us. Coming up later on in the show. Joining me, as always, is the one and only Thomas Bridges. And TB, I got to tell you. Today is a good day for a lot of different reasons. But the number one reason, Tom, of why today is a very special day is that I got to consume a couple of the McRibs. And I was ripped on Twitter because we have all this great barbecue in the Kansas City area. And I still went to the loyal and true McRib of all the options out there. No one is offering me two sandwiches, fries, and a drink for $8. I mean, it's just a steal. I don't know what's on that McRib. I don't want to know, but it's delicious, and it's my favorite time of the year, McRib season, Tom. I've never had a McRib. What? Never in my
1: life. Why not? I, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm. that is like the last. I I will say. That I would get a McRib before I would get a filet fish.
0: I've never had the filet fish.
1: I don't. I don't know a single person that has had that. Actually, I've never been with somebody in the car and they ordered one.
0: Yeah. Um. I'm always down for a McChicken, though. Say I don't like mayonnaise. You can get it without mayonnaise.
1: Right, but I would rather have a McDouble if I'm gonna if I'm gonna just choose something. That, I mean, my go to's at McDonald's, McDouble. And I don't, I don't even do the quarter pound over cheese like a lot of people. It's always a McDouble or straight up, if it's the morning, straight up and down uh, breakfast burrito. Hands down, nothing comes close.
0: Tell you what, when I go to McDonald's, if we're talking breakfast time, I like to do their uh, buy one, get one sausage, egg, McMuffin. And then I don't even worry about the combo. I don't need the hash browns. By the way, I love that hash brown. It comes in that uh McDonald's shape of sorts. Nobody makes hash browns like McDonald's. And then get me a coffee with it. That is a good way to start the day. Um but my favorite McDonald's items, you know, McRib's definitely up there. Uh the Big Mac, that's the OG. Tom, my mom, she fed me a Big Mac when I was two years old, and I ate everything except the extra bun. Uh, so you could say pretty much I was raised on McDonald's uh, as far as that goes. A little pro tip, and my buddy Reed, uh, who Tom knows, a uh, friend of both of ours, he, he, he taught me a pro tip when we were in college back in the day. And when it comes to you know, ordering the McDouble that you mentioned, Tom, get the McDouble. And ask for Big Mac sauce. That's a game changer.
1: Yeah, they used to have this spicy. They used to have a spicy McDouble that was really good. I'm a big spicy fan. I know you're not huge on the spice, but I'm always like, make it as hot as possible. Um, I haven't had had McDonald's in a long time, actually. Um, Maybe I'll go and get, you know. The breakfast McRib. burritos tomorrow morning that sounds like maybe a plan
0: maybe you show up at like ten twenty nine, and you say i want breakfast burritos and a mcrib and i get
1: then- the first mcrib <laughs> off the grill for the day
0: <laughs> right <laughs> and in the last breakfast burrito i see i don't know i
1: some about the mcrib i know that it's not a, a really a rib i get yeah, i Guarantee it can't be real.
0: Like I said, I don't even want to know what it actually is. But I love it, and I don't really care. The McRib will always have a special place in my heart. That 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 much, huh? You know, Tom, I don't stand for McDonald's slander, or even Walmart, for that matter. What I've always said, Tom, it does not matter how much money I make in my lifetime. I will always eat a McDonald's and shop at Walmart. All right, let's uh let's let's make it hard for you here. You gotta give one's
1: gotta go. McDonald's or Whataburger.
0: Oh, well in that case I got I'll give a McDonald's.
1: Yeah. Right right, I was gonna say That's
0: easy. I thought you were gonna make Whoa, me choose between no. McDonald's or Walmart.
1: Oh, in that case I would I would Walmart's gotta go.
0: Right. Sam Walton, he can go back to Bentonville.
1: I can always shop at a different, better location.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, if I had a little more money, I might be going to Target more often. Target. Uh, Target? Yes. Yes. But uh, I will always find myself shopping at Walmart and McDonald's. It's just the simple things in life, Tom. The
1: simple things in life. I can appreciate that. I haven't been to Target. You know, I'm a big fan of Jones. Now we're just talking about stores. I am a research fan through and through.
0: Okay. You know, they don't have research in Kansas. That's an Oklahoma thing. Um, right. And, and Jeff research seems like he's got a monopoly on the, the go- grocery store business down in Oklahoma these days. Um, maybe the, the, the government needs to look into that of some sorts. <laughs> Uh, but right, I would say here's my issue with Jeff Reeser and in his stores. Their meats aren't that great, I think you know i don't
1: I guess I don't I'm trying to think I guess I don't you know I had some i always we get there you know when I'm in Tulsa with friends, we always go at least over the summer and get like uh burgers from there. they're gourmet burgers that they make like in the meat market. Yeah. Like that some cheese and bacon and jalapeno and onion and green pepper and stuff. Those I think are delicious.
0: Before the pandemic when it was actually, you know, safe to go to grocery stores and all that, and we didn't have to wear a mask and all that stuff. Tom, I found myself like just enjoying going to the grocery store. Just seeing just oh, walking around with the with the cart and you know, maybe run into some people I know from around town or, you know, trying some samples and all that. Now my approach is I'm trying to get in and out of here as quickly as possible.
1: I mean, I love going to the grocery. Well, I'm not Walmart. Right, uh, right. I mean, Homeland here, Homeland is my go-to store. You used to- I mean, they don't have, they don't have the cheeses, they don't have, that's the only thing that's really missing. They don't have the crazy cheese. They don't have what we went and made that Andy Reed Mac. And that guy was, they called him the cheese master.
0: What a job title.
1: I mean, he was retired, retired. And he was, we were like, okay, like, you know, well, what's this job?
0: Like, I'm the cheese master. <laughs> Man. That's hard to be. Oh yeah. And he was an Eagles fan. And that was before things kind of went all downhill for the Eagles. So we might need to check on him, see how he's doing.
1: Uh, see if he's still the master of the cheese.
0: <laughs> yeah. I bet he's ripped some cheese based on the way the Eagles have played this year.
1: And he's probably He probably claims the Packers now.
0: <laughs> he, he might. Uh, we will uh, go around the NFL coming up in just a bit. But starting with the one and only Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are set to take on the Broncos, and the Broncos, what a weird situation with COVID-19 involving their team of last week not getting to have a quarterback as everybody was uh, in quarantine, ruled ineligible, even though that they tested negative for COVID because uh, one guy – didn't have, you know, had it, and the guys took their mask off for a little bit. You was just a really ridiculous situation. What unfolded for the Broncos last week. But nonetheless, Broncos coming into Arrowhead to take on this Chiefs team. Broncos at 4-7 and seven on the year. When these two teams met back a couple months ago, the Chiefs just dominated Denver. And Denver was not at the point that they're at right now of where – We know this season is already over for Denver. There was still a little bit, not much, but a little bit of optimism the last time these two teams played. And that was the debut of Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell played pretty well. I think that was the best game that he's had since he's been in Kansas City. But since that game, the Chiefs have kind of gotten away from the run game um, and it's been fine. They've won every game since then. Uh, you know they're ten and one on the season, but that's what made that game so well. is they ran the ball good, uh, Patrick Mahomes played well. The defense that was arguably their best game of the year. The last time these two teams got together a couple months ago, and you look at this Chiefs team now after that win against the Bucks last week, and you try to evaluate some of the things about this team. And it's pretty clear Tyreek Hill is uh, still very elite and good at football, despite pro football focus trying to claim he's the 32nd best receiver in the league. I think things have worked out just fine for Tyreek Hill. Uh, I would say that Tyreek Hill is probably closer to being the best receiver in the league than being the 32nd best receiver in the league. He was unbelievable last week. That was a historic day For him against Tampa Bay. One of the best quarters I've seen from an individual ever in football. Outstanding day. Patrick Mahomes getting better and better every single week. Okay, you know, he's got 30 touchdowns. Maybe he's not going to have 50 like he did in 2018. But the way that he's running the ball a little bit more, making less mistakes here and there, more selective with his throws. You're getting near perfect ball from Patrick Mahomes uh, week in and week out. You're getting healthier. We saw the full arsenal of receivers last week for the first time all year with Sammy Watkins back and Demarcus Robinson there and Byron Pringle and Travis Kelsey. Now it's just a matter of, okay, fix a few things here and there. Your offensive line, you'd like to get a little bit healthier, get Mitchell Schwartz back. And Andy Reid, he said on Wednesday that he expects Mitchell to probably be back before the playoffs, so that certainly helps. But you're doing just fine for the most part there. It's, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world with that offensive line right now. You know you're going to get better. Defensively, um, when you look at the defensive line of the Chiefs, they're not getting a pass rush right now. One sack total in the last two weeks from the Chiefs defensively. We, we mentioned McDonald's, Tom. The, the, the Chiefs, they offer this thing that when you get a sack the very next day at McDonald's, you get buy one, get one Big Macs. And they've been barely able to offer those at times this year, uh, the buy one, get one free Big Macs, because the pass rush isn't what it's been the last couple of seasons where they've led the league in sacks. Frank Clark has got to step up. Chris Jones, I'm not worried about. Chris Jones is going to figure it out. Um, He's one of the best defensive linemen in football. I am concerned about Frank Clark. And I know he had an illness of some sorts, you know, a few weeks back. And he went through a slump last year, too. But Frank Clark, he and Chris Jones are getting paid close to $100 million apiece. Got to see more from those guys, especially from Frank Clark. And... You know, the secondary is probably the weakest thing about the Chiefs, in particular these cornerbacks. And the thing is, the way this system is set up for Kansas City is that for the secondary to be effective, you have to win up front first. It's no secret the Chiefs don't spend a whole lot of money on that secondary beyond Tyron Matthew. But you got to win up front first if you expect the backside to have success. Now, the other part of it is got to get Juan Thornhill some playing time. He's got to be out there. I can't stand another minute to see Dan Sorensen continue to screw up and make bad play after bad play. And then he has this one good play out out of every five or six, and everybody's like, oh, dirty Dan. There's Dan Sorensen. Please. Dan Dan Sorensen is not a good football player. That is one of the biggest fake news stories out there is the idea that Dan Sorensen's is this game-changing safety. He is not. I don't want to see him on the field. I don't want to see him near my family, my relatives. I don't want to see him near Thomas Bridges. Uh, get Dan Sorensen just off the field. Um, so that's kind of where we evaluate things. Heading into what is week number 13, this Chiefs team is fantastic. I think they're the best team in football. They're ten and one, but offensive line needs to get healthier. Defensive line needs to get more pressure, and I need to see less Dan Sorensen. Did I miss anything, Tom? Did you mention Dan Sorensen? Uh, n- did I T- tell me?
1: <laughs> God, you just came for Dan like I used to go from Scott Brooks and Billy D. <laughs> <laughs> I've never God, been a fan. You know, I'd never I was thinking about okay, of all the guests that's ever been on this show, there's no one that has a vendetta. Or there's no one that has a reason to not come on the show. Except maybe Billy Donovan and I don't think Scott Brooks would listen to that. Maybe far the coaches
0: back. that we've called to be fired.
1: The the only yeah, I mean, even then, I mean David Beatty I'm sure would still come on this show. The only two people now that I think would not come on the show are the, uh, the twins from NASCAR. The Cope
0: uh, they twins. They wouldn't
1: come on again. Yep, yep, the Cope twins. Nope, they definitely would not come on. And probably Dan Sorensen now. <laughs> said, Get them away from my family. <laughs> didn't he? Uh, didn't he make some good plays in the Super Bowl? Uh,
0: he made uh, a couple good plays for about every twenty bad plays he had. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, talking to Bo, who you'll hear from later in the pick segment, and, and he's more of an X's and O's guy than Tom and I are. That's no, that's you know a, a given. And Bo made a good point we were talking about that interception that. Dan Sorensen had at the end of the game against the Raiders picking off Derek Carr uh oh he's saying about every safety in the league should be able to make that play based on what Derek Carr was doing that wasn't even about Dan Sorensen that was about Derek Carr more than anything else, so even that safety that play that great play he did make no credit, no credit due to Dan Sorensen no
1: credit for Danny. <laughs> I feel
0: for Dan. You do now. Now you feel for Dan.
1: Just a little bit, man. This man probably has a family.
0: <laughs> he, he, I'm I'm sure he does. Yes. Put him on the chopping block. I wanted him cut from this team like three years ago, Dom. What has Dan ever done to you? Made a lot of mistakes on the football field. Poor Dan. <laughs> <laughs> poor Dan what do you think
1: about this match what, you, what, what, what do you, you think? Chief fans just think you guys can just have it all
0: <laughs> and, and eat, it, eat the uh, cake too uh, right. what do you think about this game against the Broncos Sunday
1: I mean the Chiefs really should have loaned out Chad Henney last week to the Broncos <laughs> They really should have give Chad Henne the chance. Give send him with the Hennessy. Give, I I think to make things interesting, they should give Chad Henney the chance this week,
0: <laughs> just to make things fair.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's only fair. I think they could, Chiefs probably still win by two touchdowns. I mean, this is this is just ridiculous. Honestly, on on the how ugly it's going to be this weekend.
0: The fact that this has to be played on Sunday night. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I like seeing the Chiefs in prime time, but this game really has no business being the Sunday night game. I thought they invented the flex for games like this.
1: Right. They need to flex the Broncos. <laughs> the Broncos, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel for the Broncos because Jose's been talking so much trash all season, um, and I finally took the lead, of you know, over Jose after him just gloating about these past couple of weeks and pick them. So I don't feel sorry for the Broncos. And he always talked, used to talk trash on the Rams when they were trash. Um, so I don't feel bad, but at the same time, I feel for that kid that played quarterback for him, uh, (laughs) this, this past weekend that, you know, granted all things, I mean, he just put in a bad situation.
0: There was nothing he could do. And here's something else to think about Tom. Um, I am, I've never really been this guy, but I'm definitely not going to be the guy that says, Hey, put me in there and see what I could do. Um, better than this guy, because the quarterback that they had come in last week, um, he was a state champion quarterback and he was like a three or four star recruit at quarterback and started that position at a power five school and only had one completion and two interceptions last week. So uh you know, the remember that old show pros versus Joes? That guy was a joke. Right? And he kinda, you know, let all the Joes down with that performance last week.
1: I mean, yeah, I I don't know what he could have done. I mean I mean The Joes will never even- get a
0: chance. Uncle Rico will never live his dream of playing for the Broncos now.
1: Obviously I mean not after that, no. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Kendall. That was
1: right. I'm being I mean I wonder obviously. so do they have them back again this week or are they getting everybody back?
0: They're getting everybody back. Drew Locke is going to start. The uh Lee Summit Missouri native will be making his uh, return to his uh hometown of Kansas City.
1: Well, you know, I I still think they should start Chad Henney. <laughs>
0: Might as well at this point. Um, Looking at the rest of the schedule for the Chiefs, we'll talk about this real quick, then we'll move on. Broncos on Sunday. Dolphins the next week in Miami. That will be a good game. Then you get the Saints in New Orleans the following week. Then on the 27th at home against the Falcons, who were playing better. We'll talk more about them later on. And then the last week of the regular season against the Chargers. And... We saw what the Chargers did, giving the Chiefs one of their toughest challenges of the year so far, uh, back in a week number two. I'm thinking, Tom, that the Chiefs might lose to the Saints, but that's about it. I think you're talking about this team finishing at 15 and one or 14 and two at this point. Uh, you know, that's a very favorable schedule this uh, final stretch here, these last five five games here. Yeah, it is a is a pretty solid stretch there for them. I,
1: I mean, I think they probably lose to the Saints as well. Uh, maybe. I'll be rooting for the Chiefs in that game because the Rams are going to need it. But, um, I mean, all things considered, I, you know, and I know this has been a weird year, I didn't think this, the Chiefs could have a chance to, you know, potentially have a better record than what they had last year.
0: Yeah. Last year they finished 12 and four, they were the number two seed. They are 12 and four the previous season were the number one seed. Now it looks uh, all but certain they'll at least be 14 and two, maybe 15 and one. and that might not even be good enough to win the first round bye out of the AFC. Remember, only one team's getting the first round by this new playoff format, the top seed. Steelers get the win over the Ravens. It was ugly. But nonetheless, a win's a win. Steelers are 11-0 and 0 now. And for all intents and purposes, comparing the Chiefs to the Steelers, here's how the Steelers finish out. They get the, uh, the one and only Washington football team on Monday night of next week, this upcoming week. And then they get Buffalo on Sunday night football in Buffalo. The Bengals and then the Colts and then the Browns. And, you know, record-wise, you would think, Tom, okay, the Steelers are probably a lot better than almost everyone they played there. But they're winning these games pretty close. We mentioned these ugly wins of sorts there. Eventually, that luck's got to run out at some point here. I don't see the Steelers going 16-0. And I would say right now, Tom, I think that they probably drop a couple here. Probably the Bills and then either the Colts or the Browns, one of the two here. I think the, the Chiefs uh, are going to come away with home field. Uh, I don't see the Steelers getting out of this stretch without at least a loss or two here in these final five games. You know, you
1: think the Chiefs are going to overtake the Steelers, huh?
0: Or maybe they're both 15-1 and one or something. I, at least I see it being, at the very least, they have the same record, or the Chiefs are better. I, I don't think the Steelers are going undefeated to end the season
1: yeah i I mean that obviously is a a tough tough ask for obviously anybody and i don't know if, if the steelers can hold up but i mean for what we've seen so far i mean i mean you have to be this is the best year i mean for as shitty as ku is uh i mean you really get rewarded for it in the nfl
0: well and, and and it's basketball season now, so uh we we uh we dismissed already that team uh that played in memorial Stadium. uh <laughs> we we already forgot about them thanks for bringing them up uh but with that being said yeah uh pretty spectacular what this chiefs team is doing I still think they're the best team in the n f l uh the Steelers been very impressed with them this year, but the style points are not there with this team. I think eventually things are going to catch up with this team at some point here in these uh, next couple weeks before the uh, regular season ends. With that being said, we'll move on. Let's go around the rest of the National Football League, and uh, we'll pick five games coming up later on in the show. But uh, let's start in Atlanta. The Falcons taking out the Saints. Tom, we saw these teams play just, what, two weeks ago in New Orleans? Taysom Hill uh, had a pretty impressive outing. The Saints held the Falcons to just nine points that day. But then the Falcons last week, out of the blue, I was expecting Matt Ryan to do Matt Ryan things, and instead they scored 40-plus points and shut down the Raiders. Came out of nowhere. Raheem Morris has won four out of his last six games. Probably a good chance he keeps his job here. Tom. I like the Saints and Taysom Hill here. Uh, but the same but the, the Falcons here uh certainly some improvement we've seen from this team in the last few weeks. Yeah, and you know, if you're a Falcons fan, you
1: got to be happy considering all things. I mean, where you started at the beginning of the season, this team looks a whole hell of a lot different.
0: Yeah. Um uh, Saints at 9 and 2. Are they the best team in the NFC? You know what, uh, if the Rams
1: don't drop that game against the 49ers, I think it's close. Uh, I mean, it's really going to depend, I think, on on Drew Brees. Uh, I mean, he's going to take the team as far as it's going to go. Um, so, depending on how he comes back and, and does uh, is is really, I think, going to determine a whole lot when playoffs get here.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, Saints, I think they are the best team in the NFC, but I, I think the NFC is a whole lot more all, wide open than the AFC does. I don't think the gap's that big between the Saints in the next three or four teams. Um, There's a lot of teams, I think, that have a chance to win the NFC and uh, go on to the Super Bowl. Packers,
1: Rams, Bucks, Saints. Heck, I I don't think the Seahawks Seahawks are out of it. Yeah.
0: Um, Right. So, we'll see what happens. The Lions taking on the Bears. We're going to pick this game coming up later on in the show. But uh, our our boy, Matt Patricia, finally gone in Detroit. Uh, Good riddance. And uh, now they can finally begin a new era. I don't think Detroit's getting any better anytime soon. Uh, drastically better, that is. But just the fact that they have this weight lifted off their shoulders here, I expect a Detroit team, uh, this Lions team, to come up, uh, come in a little bit hungrier and, uh, and face it Mitch Trubisky. That's always a treat for any, uh, any defense.
1: Right. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it later on in the show, but I mean how many I mean, both teams that fired their coach already this season have won the next game after that coach has been gone. So uh, you know, I, I think the Lions maybe have a new I don't I don't know if I wouldn't call it new hope, but you know, change of change of pace, I guess. I, I don't know what you call that dumpster fire in Detroit.
0: <laughs> I think you call it just that, a dumpster fire in Detroit. The Browns take on the Titans. We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show. Both teams are 8-3. Tom, I feel like this game's a big turning point for both these teams. Browns certainly have something to prove. Their wins, uh, if this was college football, we would be talking about them like a group of five team. They have no quality wins among the eight wins that they have. Maybe the Colts, but that's about it. Uh, the Titans... Have impressed me all season long. Uh, they're the home team in this one here. Whoever wins this one is this going to be a statement win of some sorts? If whoever pulls this off,
1: yeah, it does. And and for the Browns, I mean, if you're a Browns fan, this is like the first non-losing season since I, I was in high school. The last time the Browns had a, a winning or a non uh, a season that was not losing. Uh, and think about that, Jones. I think that was probably back when Peyton Hillis was their running back. Can you believe that?
0: Derek Anderson um, at quarterback. They went ten and six on it, the year that the Giants went ten and six and won the Super Bowl as a wild card as the number six seed in the NFC. That was good enough for the Giants to make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl, and that wasn't good enough for the Browns to make the playoffs in the AFC that year. Right and. And
1: considering all things, I, I think both of these teams uh, c- can make the playoffs here. I mean, the Browns are set with the with the way the Ravens are going right now. I mean, the Browns are set to, to be second place in that division and uh, potentially, uh, you know, the wild card getting in. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins- and, and the Titans as well. I mean, the Titans look to go ahead and win that division. Yeah. Uh,
0: for sure. The uh, Dolphins taking on the Bengals. This game would have been a whole lot more interesting if Joe Burrow uh, was healthy. Uh, Tua is expected to be back uh, for the Dolphins in this game. It doesn't matter if it's Fitzmagic or Tua, whoever it is. Uh, the Dolphins should have a big day on a Sunday against Cincy. Yeah,
1: I mean, Cincy, I don't know. I mean, it's just been a, a a hell of a year for them, so I don't, I, you know, I don't know where they stand from there going in You know, after this. They're just looking to get Burrow back next season. I think they've kind of packed it in.
0: Yeah. The uh, Vikings taking on the Jags, Minnesota at home. They're a 10-point favorite against Jacksonville. And one interesting note here, Tom, this Jacksonville team has been competing. I know they got 10 losses on the year. But look at what they what happened with that Packer game in Green Bay a couple weeks ago, Cleveland last week. They're putting up a fight. They're not winning games, but at least they're putting up a fight of some sorts there. And based on the way the Vikings have been this year, um, this could be the end all be all. If if uh, if the Vikings lose this one, which I don't think is a crazy possibility here. If you're looking for a uh, an underdog here, I think uh the Jags keep this within ten, possibly even win this game. And if the Jags win this game, uh it's time to say officially say bye bye to Mike Zimmer.
1: Yeah, it very well could be. I mean I mean you can't I mean with the Vikings what they were, you know, projected I guess to do this season, I mean you can't you can't not win this game. I mean this is end all be all here for Zimmer.
0: Yeah. Raiders taking on the Jets. We mentioned the Raiders with that ugly loss last week against Atlanta. Can't think of a better way for a team looking for a bounce back than uh, what the Raiders are handed this week with a trip to MetLife.
1: Right. I mean, they've got to have a bounce back game. I couldn't believe, uh, you know, the results of their last game. I just was completely shocked. I, You know, from, from, you know, I'm not obviously a Raiders fan, but, from what we had seen, you you would think – I mean, they are on the cusp. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about a Jekyll and Hyde team uh, that needs a bounce-back win, I mean, the Raiders are such a Jekyll and Hyde team.
0: <laughs> they are. Uh, the Colts taking on the Texans. We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show. Um, Texans certainly out of it, but they are playing for pride. They are playing for their franchise quarterback, Uh, Romeo Cornell has done a better job than uh, what we saw with Bill O'Brien anyway. Colts are fighting for a a playoff spot here. This is a tough position for the Colts, uh, you know, as they continue to try to make their way into the playoffs uh, going up against this Texans team that uh, probably can go toe-to-toe with the Colts here.
1: Right, and, and, you know, I don't – for the Colts to get in the playoffs, they very well could, but at the same time, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this Colts team falters and and is, you know, shoots themselves in the foot, so to speak, and out of a playoff spot or a wild card spot, that is.
0: The Rams take it on the Cardinals. We'll pick this game cut up later on in the show. Tom, I, I think it's fair to say both these teams need this win and they need it badly as uh, they're both fighting for that very close NFC West division race. Right. And,
1: and, you know, obviously the Seahawks and, and the nine or not the Niners, not anymore, but, um, both of these teams and the Seahawks want to win the division, but we're really facing a, a a weird timeline where there could be three NFC West teams in the playoff. I don't think that's necessarily a stretch, but obviously you want to control your own destiny to some sort. Um, the Rams. I, I mean, I, I don't think they've lost a back-to-back game all year. Uh, meanwhile, the Cardinals three out of four, and could have been four out of four if it's not for the hell Murray. We'll talk about it later on.
0: Yes, the uh, Giants taking on the Seahawks this game in Seattle at the newly named Lumen Field. Seattle, a ten-point no. favorite. No Daniel Jones. It looks like for the Giants that Colt McCoy is going to get the starts. Colt McCoy still in the league, believe it or not. Um, Tom, I expect a big day from Seattle, whether it's Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy, whoever it may be, Seattle should have uh, a great performance here. Uh, in particular DK Madcalf, he's just on another level right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, did they, did they, when did they rename the field? Uh, like two weeks ago. Nah. Yeah. That's a sin. Uh, I, I hope the giant I, just for that they should lose this game. That's <laughs> you can't rename Century Link. Yeah, that's like that's like all the f- you know Albertsons were bought up and changed the food pyramid. How many times do people still call it food pyramid? Well, or, uh, or Albertsons, Albertsons Cent-
0: Century Link isn't even the original name. I remember it as uh, Quest Field when it opened.
1: Well, I remember Quest Field too, but I mean. What the, I guess the quest was probably Sean Alexander days, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, uh, Matt Hasselback, and uh, and they called it right now, you know, as of late with uh, CenturyLink, they, they referred it as the Link, right?
1: So, and so now it's going to be Luma Field, Lu- Lumen, Lumen, L U M E N. That is a sin. Uh that I mean that really marks the end of the Legion of Boom, if anything.
0: <laughs> the Eagles taking on the Packers. CBS for whatever reason chose to make this their national game. Um the Eagles 3 7 and 1, such a hot mess. I mean, they're they're not even it's not even fun to watch them play football. They they, they shouldn't be allowed to touch a football. Um uh, maybe they should sign Dan Sorensen. Uh <laughs> Packers Man, oh my god. They were so fun on Sunday night football last week against Chicago. Tom, I think Chicago uh, I think uh Green Bay here is gonna have a big day Sunday afternoon against Philly.
1: Yeah, they probably do. Um and and you could even put Dan Sorensen on the Packers. They'd still have a big day. <laughs> Jones, who's who's winning the NFC East? It's not Dallas.
0: Oh, man. Uh I guess. Who's gonna get a home playoff? Game? I would lean towards Washington right now. Ugh.
1: Oh my gosh. That it hurts they, to that say that any to of those safe. teams.
0: That's just painful to say, to utter words. They're gonna get a home playoff game.
1: Yeah. I mean you're gonna have a losing record. I mean what's what at at this point and what's the best what's Washington's record right now? Washington is
0: four and seven.
1: So they could essentially go six and
0: ten. has a six and ten team
1: ever won a playoff
0: game? No, the worst record to win a playoff game was that Seahawks team that beat the defending champion Saints, and they were seven and nine
1: so we're I mean that is incredible yeah we're 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 talking about a team with no name potentially <laughs> hosting a playoff game, yeah.
0: Uh, I would have said the Giants before Daniel Jones got hurt.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess if I had to pick one team from that division that I would, wouldn't mind seeing in the playoffs, it would probably be Daniel Jones. Imagine all that shit Baker was talking uh, about Daniel Jones if Daniel Jones somehow made the playoffs before Baker Mayfield. That would be the greatest timeline.
0: Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. We were talking about the NFC race. Uh, of the teams that are wild card teams, how valuable is that five seed right now? Uh, oh, to be
2: able
1: to play the NFC East
0: team, right? Obviously, you would love to win your division, but this has got to be the most intriguing wild card race in quite some time. Someone's going to try to tank for it. You think so?
1: I mean, and I think I think whoever gets to play that. That seed, I think whoever's the fifth seed, I think is coming from the NFC West.
0: Yeah? So, like the Seahawks or the Rams at Washington or at New York, or something like that? I mean, I wouldn't mind that.
1: I mean, if I had to, you know, if, if my consolation prize for not winning the division is getting to play a home or a, a playoff game against a team who, you know, the Rams – have already swept through the NFC East. um Saying the Rams, obviously Rams fan, but I, this, I don't think Seattle, I don't know who all Seattle has left from the East to play. And I don't know who from the Cardinals, I don't know who else they have left to play either um from that division. But I mean, you, I mean, at that point in time, if it's an NFC East team, which I probably think it'll be, uh, I mean, you've already played them once, and I guarantee the Cardinals Eagle or the Cardinals Seahawks and Rams. It's a good chance they probably swept through that division already. Yeah, or will.
0: Um, the Patriots taking on the Chargers. It came to pick them, by the way. The Patriots at five and six, Chargers at three and eight. Chargers, Tom. We've been saying it all year. They're another one of those. Good, bad teams. New England's been so up and down. I know New England's got the better record here, but Tom, I think the Chargers here are, are the better team. They got the young quarterback. If the Chargers play their game, if they execute accordingly, there's no reason why they shouldn't win this ball game. I mean, they should. You'd think they
1: should. Will they? I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, they should, this should be, they should be (laughs) able to wrap this up. It's in, it's in LA, right? I mean, the Chargers, good, bad team. Yes. I I think, I think Herbert is the answer for a long time to come. The Patriots, who did they just beat?
0: The uh, Patriots, uh, or just beat the Cardinals. Yes,
1: they did. I mean, maybe, you know, I don't – when's the last time Bel- has Bel- Belichick's had at least one losing season, maybe in the very beginning? It's been a minute, yes. I mean, so at this point he's coaching to not have a losing season. Yeah. I mean, don't put a pass bill to go cross country and get this one.
0: Oh, not at all. Yeah, I, I think the Chargers – would have to have some self-inflicted wounds to lose this game, but they're very capable. They're still the Chargers. They could do that. Right. So, uh, Monday, this is going to be one of the longest football weeks ever. Last week was long, going to Wednesday. This is going to be something else. Double header on Monday night football. Steelers taking on Washington, 4 o'clock. We talked about the Steelers. We talked about Washington a little bit earlier here. Um Steelers will win this game but based on their style of football tom um if they win this by more than 10 I'll be shocked
1: I mean the spread is the, I mean the you know the line is at 8 uh you know they barely cover against the Ravens with all uh, bet, all bit weird week weird week weird week um can the Washington football team start wrapping up the division and give the Steelers the first loss? Probably not.
3: Could you imagine? But,
1: oh man. That would Alex Smith comes in, gets the division, takes the division. What a that's a twenty twenty year. I love what they did against there, Dallas. There's no way in hell. I want to see the line if you take a Washington football team over the Steelers. If you just take the money line.
0: It'd be a nice payout, I'm sure. The Bills taking on the Niners. That's the nightcap on Monday Night Football. We're going to pick this game coming up later on in the show. What a weird scenario for the Niners. They can't even play in their own stadium or practice there or anything like that uh, due to COVID restrictions in Santa Clara County. Uh, So this is a neutral site game for the Bills and the 49ers here. The last time the Bills played in State Farm Stadium uh, they gave up that uh, Hal Murray to uh, lose to the uh, Cardinals. There, uh, Bills looking for some redemption there. Like I said, we'll pick this game coming up later on in the show. Tom, you saw firsthand how well the Niners can play. Um, don't be sleeping past what the Niners could do. They very well could win this game here. This is not uh, a lock by any means for Buffalo. No, it's not. Uh,
1: I mean we've seen Buffalo kind of have their you know, their little bits and pieces have fallen apart. Um so I mean, the Niners are capable somewhat. I mean, they just did beat my team, but they Shanahan has it out for McVay or something. But uh the Bills I mean for the Bills, you know, with with the Dolphins kind of, you know, having a little rough of a go after a a good, you know, solid run there for a little bit, the Bills, they need this game you know for sure, and and thankfully for them, they don't have to travel as far. I wonder. Hey, actually, I don't know how what the mileage is there. They still have to go, you know, quite a ways down to Arizona. But uh, Bill should be, they should be able to get. I mean, we'll talk about it more. But the Bill should be able to, I would imagine, get
0: this in the bag. Coming up on Tuesday, the Cowboys take on the Ravens. That game in Baltimore, Tom. That might be enough time for Lamar Jackson to come back. I don't think the Ravens need Lamar to beat this lowly Cowboys team, but it certainly wouldn't hurt if he's there. And they're getting a couple more running backs and everything here. Um, I, I like the Ravens uh, to have a big day against the Cowboys, even if they just have some of their personnel back. Uh, it was irresponsible what happened with them to let that outbreak occur and all that madness and all that. But I think the worst of all that's behind them now, that they'll move forward and they should have a big day coming up on Tuesday. Yeah,
1: they should. And and for the Ravens, for a team that, you know, did so well last year, they've underachieved this year, and I get the COVID, but, uh, man, uh, I mean, the, the Ravens essentially probably have to win out to, to try to secure a, a wild card spot.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they, they have quite the hill to climb as uh, things are certainly tough there in uh, the AFC for uh, those uh, spots uh, at uh, this point in time. So there you have it. That's our look around the National Football League for week number 13. It is now time for our Big 12 football breakdown. We're going to talk Big 12 basketball later on in the show. Uh, but uh, looking at uh, this week here, week uh, number uh, 14 in the Big 12 conference. And uh, the slate on hand here. Starting at 11 a.m., Oklahoma State and TCU. We're going to pick this game coming up later on. Both these teams coming off wins. OSU won a day offensively against Texas Tech last week. Putting up 50 points. I love, I think my favorite play in football is the onside recovery touchdown. We don't hardly ever see that. We got to see that twice. There was an NFL game that happened last week, too. Um, I love when that happens. And... That was the Oklahoma State offense that we were waiting to see all season long. The real Oklahoma State offense stood up. Um, And we talked about on last week's show, was Oklahoma State going to answer the call? Were they going to respond after that lost Oklahoma? And boy, did they last week against Texas Tech. TCU, that offense was phenomenal. It was Kansas, granted. But 59 points. We've been waiting to see that from TCU as well. But, Tom, I put a whole lot more stock in what Oklahoma State did last week. Um, we'll pick this game later. I'm not going to give away who I'm picking just yet. But uh, Oklahoma State, I think, has a lot more reason to be optimistic than TCU does uh, when it comes to momentum-wise after what they did last week compared to TCU.
1: Yeah, Jones. I mean, this uh, Oklahoma State offense against Tech, kind of what we would have you know, expected all season, really. Um, there was a pick six and a, that onside kick you mentioned from Jason Taylor taking back to the house. Uh, Matt Wells tried to get a little greedy there cause that's when tech had taken the lead for the first time. Um, but you mentioned that, you know, OSU after that shellacking, they got from OU, uh, did not expect them to come and play like they did. And, and the score was. Uh, a lot closer than what the game actually felt like. It was fifty to thirty-one at one point, um, and should have stayed that way. But uh, especially with that OSU defense that's been highly touted all season. But uh, Jones, I think this will be a good one. The I'm looking at the at the line here, uh, and we'll talk about this later. And uh, I guess we'll talk about it later, but we won't talk about the over/under, so we can just pick that now. Over unders at 51 Jones, I don't think there's 51 scored in this ball
2: game.
0: Yeah. Um I see where you're coming from. I would actually disagree. I, I'll take the over based on what I saw offensively from both these teams last week. I think there's going to be some carryover of some sorts. They may have I think they both figured something out. I'll take the I over. I hope so. Maybe we need to wager on that over under or something like that. A friendly bet of some sorts there. Maybe uh, so. Uh, KU taking on Texas Tech. This game's so bad, they're putting it on FS2. Only about 50 million Americans get the chance to see KU and Texas Tech. Um, I'll be shocked if 30,000 of them are watching this game. Uh, Tech coming off the loss to Oklahoma State, as we mentioned. KU, an ugly loss to TCU last week. Um, you know, sounds like Miles Kendrick is going to get the start at quarterback. The Jalen Daniels experiment, you know they still think that he's the guy down the road, but you, you can't, as we mentioned with before, Tom, if he's your guy, with as bad as his offensive line is, if you continue to play him, you are going to get him hurt and lead to some potential injury issues uh, that could have long-lasting impacts. I think that's the right move. Go ahead and let Kendrick start. Go ahead and let him finish the season. Um you know, and see what happens here. I'd, I expect Texas Tech to have a big day. They're a 27-and-a-half point favorite. Bowman was back. Bowman's a talented quarterback, but he hasn't stayed healthy himself. Um, Bowman, assuming he plays and is 100%, there's no reason why Texas Tech shouldn't win this game bigly. I mean, the line's at 27-and-a-half.
1: Uh, Jones, this is the last chance for KU to get a dub this season. Uh, uh, they play Texas granted, next week.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, still, Last chance. You know, I guess they have Texas at home. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that'll get Tom Harvin fired if you can pull out a win on the season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, packing it in for next year. I mean, with that line, someone's going to get hurt, and I just if you're less miles, what I mean, what do you even tell your team? Right.
0: What do you say? Um, I don't think there's enough words in the world to get a team ready for uh, what this Kansas team is about to experience coming up this Saturday against Texas Tech. Texas taking on K State. It has been a downward spiral for the Cats. Um, if you were looking at just records at this game, Tom, five and three Texas team, four and five K State team, you would think, okay, you know, probably a competitive game here. But the way K State has played as of late. I don't think Texas is that great of a team in all honesty, but there's just no excuse why Texas should not win this game by double digits, Tom.
1: No, they, I mean, they should, it is in Manhattan. um, You know, after, you know, Will Howard came in, uh, you know, freshman, true freshman. I mean, K-State started out so hot uh, and, you know, I like Chris Kleiman. you know I think this is just kind of an unfortunate year for K State, but Texas really should be able to take advantage of K State and, and hammer this home.
0: Yeah, they uh, they should be able to take care of business in uh, that game there. West Virginia taking on number nine Iowa State Cyclones at seven and two. West Virginia five and three. Iowa State six and a half point favorite at home. West Virginia a lot better than people expected in twenty twenty. Iowa State right up there with a chance to win the Big 12 title as a win here, and they lock up a spot, but their chances of getting there are already pretty high, as is. Tom, I expect Iowa State to take care of business, but this does have trap game written all over it.
1: It does. Now, Jones, I, don't, I haven't looked crazily after OSU got blown out by OU, but um, get me if I'm wrong here, if, if Iowa State, does lose to West Virginia, that pretty much opens the door for OSU and OU to control their own destiny. Um, to to meet in the Big Twelve Championship. I mean, if you're an OSU fan, I think, I think the move this weekend is to root for West Virginia. Does that sound right?
0: Yeah, sing uh, "Country Roads" a, a few times over and over again. Uh, well, we got to be...
1: get past TCU first, so I'm not going to sing anything. Uh, except friends in low places, probably early in the
0: morning again. Uh, Brees Hall, close to 1,300 yards, 16 touchdowns. This guy's just been a beast. He's gonna be a really good r- running back in the National Football League. He's got pro potential written all over him. Um, what a year for Brees Hall. I don't think we've given Brees Hall enough credit for what the job he's doing in the special season he's having there at Iowa State. Um, you can make a case he's been the best running back at college football this year.
1: Yeah, I think you can do. I mean, he's he, he looks a whole lot like maybe Chuba Hubbard did last season. Uh, ability to, you know, get to the second level and break away. Uh, I mean, Iowa State, ninth in the country. Obviously, it's a weird year this year, uh, so why wouldn't Iowa State be ninth? Um, After losing but- to
0: Louisiana Lafayette week one.
1: Right, and you know how much trash we talked on. The, I mean, I know I did, uh, and I'll still tack trash on Iowa State because they still got beat by o- OSU. But um, still, it just this is this should have been Iowa State's year to just make the college football playoff. Really? Oh, uh, just because of twenty twenty and the way it's going, this had Iowa State written all over it from the beginning. We should have. Uh, and I know
0: this. that Lafayette uh, blew the doors off them. But Iowa State was the more talented team. And oh, of course. That Oklahoma State game, that could have gone either way. You could make, It's not far-fetched to say that Iowa State could be undefeated right now and be in a playoff position. That's not a reach.
1: Sadly, it's the Big 12, and they have two losses, and they'll right. have to settle for the – Whatever bowl,
0: right? The uh, the Foster Farms bowl for uh, Iowa State. No, uh, no Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl this year got canceled, unfortunately. No trip to El Paso for anybody.
1: Uh, that's the last one I would want to go to.
0: You, you don't like Tony the Tiger? No, I just wouldn't want
1: to go to El Paso right now with all the COVID <laughs> down there.
0: Oh, yeah, that um, would be a no no. Last Big 12 game for you Baylor taking on Oklahoma. The Sooners had some COVID issues, and they had to cancel last week's game against the Mountaineers, and first time they've had a COVID cancellation all season long, and some of their COVID problems have been involved in their coaching staff. They've actually called up from the bullpen, out of retirement, Bob Stoops to help coach up the defense, and they're saying there's a chance he could be on the sidelines uh, as an assistant coach on that defense this Saturday. Uh, out of retirement. Uh, hard to find a more qualified <laughs> filling assistant available than uh Bob Stoops. Um, and, you know, w- w- with all that being said, Baylor's just not a good team. OU's a 22 point favorite. OU's playing a lot better football here we've seen in the last, you know, five, six weeks or so. I know they've had their COVID problems, but heck, they barely even played at Oklahoma State game because they had some COVID issues of sorts there. Uh, OU should win this one big and, uh, I'll say this, Tom, I hope everybody's healthy. You always wish health for everybody involved here. But I, I would like to see Bob be back. That would be cool to see him get back on the sidelines of some sort Saturday if that's the case.
1: Yeah, and, and I think he did come out with a statement on talking about just how that if he was to coach that he would still pretty much defer to Lincoln and, you know, let him kind of run the show. But, you know, if obviously if you're an, an OU fan that you would be, You know, like oh, Bob coming back—that would be, you know, like seeing Tim Duncan coach the Spurs a game. Um, But that being said, yeah, that would be kind of cool to see Bob Stoops make a return. Uh, And and Baylor, what a mess! Yeah, she what a mess!
0: Yeah, well, and uh, and like I said too, just to clarify, like we hope everybody's healthy, one everybody out there, but selfishly, there is a sense like, okay, it would be cool to see Bob out there in that sense. but
1: I say even if everybody's healthy, just put him on the sideline.
2: Why
0: not, right? Um, he's already been there all week. Give him the reward of being out there. Uh, before we bring in Seth Kaiser, one more college football note. I do want to go over the college football playoff uh, where things stand right now. The top four did not change in the second week of the college football playoff poll. Alabama, number one. Notre Dame, number two, number three, Clemson, and number four, Ohio State, and the ACC—they did a little gerrymandering of sorts with uh, their schedule, and they've already come out and said Notre Dame has clinched the spot in the ACC championship game. Um, I think they're trying to do a little politicking to, to hope Notre Dame stays in the ACC permanently. If we're going to be honest here, um, but here's how this shapes out now, Tom. Uh, basically, here, here's what you have. Um, Alabama, I don't see them losing two games. I think that's a playoff team. They're in. Uh, Even if they lose the SEC championship to Florida, that team is in. You can sign in Alabama. Notre Dame, um, as long as they don't get blown out by Clemson, then they're probably in the playoff. Clemson has to beat Notre Dame again and win out the rest of their games here. Um, but I do think they would win the rematch with Notre Dame. Um, and so then you're down to one spot, and that's where things get interesting. Ohio State, are they going to be able to get enough games in? Because here's the deal. Um, we all thought going into this season, okay, can you have the playoff but not really have Ohio State in there? Because um, Ohio State on paper looks like one of the most talented teams. But then you barely beat Indiana. And, you know, some of the things that have happened with Ohio State, not get these games in, you set, in such we really actually don't know how good Ohio State is. They didn't play non-conference games. They're going to have a limited schedule. Um, Ohio State might not even qualify for the Big Ten title game. They might not even have enough games to do so. Um, a 5-0 Ohio State team for that last playoff spot? I don't think so. I think Ohio State has to get some games in. More games than five. You got to get at least seven, I think. That's the number I'm looking at to have a case to be in the playoffs. Six and oh, not good enough for me. Five and oh, not good enough for me. Get the seven and win the Big Ten title. I think you can put Ohio State in. But if it's anything short of seven, um, Cincinnati's got a case. If Florida were to win the SEC title and beat Bama, then they get in. Um, you know, I would look. You know, down the line. You know, we mentioned BYU as a possibility. Some of these other teams. Heck, even a Big Twelve champion. If Iowa State or Oklahoma, we said they were out a couple weeks ago, but with the way things have unfolded with Ohio State, it's not completely out of the picture here because you can make the case that Iowa State and Oklahoma are two different teams than what they were when they lost those games early in the season of sorts here. So, Tom, I feel like that we have two spots filled. As long as Notre Dame just doesn't get blown out by Clemson, I think we have two spots filled, and then Clemson, their one went away, and Ohio State is kind of the the team that we figure out here. And this is is circumstances that we haven't been in before. This is unforeseen territory of trying to figure out if Ohio state is going to have enough games or not to make the playoff. This is peak 2020, uh, basically here with Ohio state when it comes to that fourth spot.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and I imagine they find the games somewhere to, to make that happen. Um, you know, I don't see a big 12 team making it even, even if, you know, it's, Iowa State OU and the winner of the Big 12, I don't see them doing that. I mean, at that point, if Cincinnati was to be undefeated, I, I think I would imagine you would have to take them. Obviously, you want a Big 12 person in there. But, you know, if, if any, you know, non-Power 5 was going to get in, this is the year to do it. Um, no way in hell it's Coastal Carolina, even if they go undefeated. But Cincinnati might have a say. Uh, I mean, they do, who do they, I don't think Cincinnati plays this week, but then they do have Tulsa in Tulsa. Um, So, and then obviously probably the conference championship game, I'm I'm guessing. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, I think Ohio, I mean, I would, my money's on Ohio state getting in, finding enough games and getting there. But, you know, who? Knows? it is 2020. Who, who knows? now If that happens, then that's the chaos that we were expecting all season.
0: So here's something that was interesting that was brought up by Kirk Herbstreet on the ranking show on Tuesday night. And he took a lot of flack for this. He issued an apology afterwards and such. But I always say, Tom, remember someone for their first statements. The apology is just the cleanup act. Remember what they said the first time. That's what they really mean. And you're going to apply that to me, too. Um, Kirk Herbstreet, he made a point that said, what if Michigan just bows out, says, you know what? Mm, These COVID issues just keep piling up. We can't play. And sorry, Ohio State. uh, Nah, that's not going to happen. You know, maybe force the issue of getting out of playing Ohio State." And then Ohio State doesn't get to qualify for the playoff and the Big Ten championship game. They don't have the games to meet the Big Ten championship game. I don't think that's a far-fetched idea. Michigan's already not playing this week with COVID issues here. This is a real possibility that not only Ohio State, you know, they have their own COVID issues of them themselves. They canceled last week's game. Their head coach, Ryan Day, is not going to be able to give it a go uh, this week as he recovers from COVID. But I don't think it's crazy, the idea that Michigan could say, eh, sorry, we're we're, we're wink-wink, not ready for next week. We can't play. Um, And Ohio State can't go to the Big Ten title, can't play for the college football playoff and such here. I don't think that's a crazy idea.
1: No, I don't think it is either. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh, He's the type of guy that would love nothing more than to fuck over Ohio State. Uh, that's just Jim Harbaugh moves. Um, and if I was a Michigan fan, you know, with the season you've had, and honestly, if I was Jim Harbaugh, because, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, I mean, you lose, you go and lose to Ohio State, and let's say Ohio State just blows the doors off of you. Uh, that could be it for you know, Harbaugh in Ann Arbor, uh, or, you know, if you just say, "Oh, COVID year, we're not going to play. Sorry. We're, you know, we're too, got too much COVID. Uh, then, you know, two things happen there. You, you get a pass. If you're Jim Harbaugh and come back next season and really fight for your job or, and, you know, you do that. And two, you screw out your rival on getting to the college football playoff. Uh, and you let Justin Fields ride out and and go play in the bullshit bowl. If I'm a Michigan fan, that's my plan of action. Um, Because, I, I mean, no way in hell Michigan is beating Ohio State. Oh, they're going to get killed. Right. I mean, if if I'm looking at it from a Michigan fan's standpoint, I'm like, huh, do I want to see us get beat by Ohio State for the umpteenth time in a row? Or do we want to just screw them over? I'm screwing them over every time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's a crazy idea. Um, When we look at these teams, Tom, I I think that it's hard to argue that Alabama is uh, not the best team in the country. Um, I think they're
1: leaps and bounds better than everybody.
0: Now, here's where I digress a little bit. Alabama's on another level than everybody else, for sure. But I don't think that they're immortal of some sorts here. Clipson's still incredibly talented. Ohio State, still incredibly talented. Um, Notre Dame has certainly surprised a lot of folks this year with what they've done. You know me, I've been high on Florida all season long here. What's been the big consistent we've seen in college football this season, Tom? How much better, in case in point, we see it in our own conference in the Big 12. Teams have gotten from the beginning of the year to where they are right now. And, you know, in Alabama's case, their defense was terrible against Ole Miss in what was it, week one or week two. And now they look like an elite defense. Um, you still have – you're going to have two or three weeks to get ready for the playoff. This is not a foregone conclusion, and Alabama's just going to walk in and roll over everybody here. I still think that Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Florida, give them the time, a couple more weeks and everything, um, Alabama's going to face some competition. There, there's, I, I still don't think there's any way they're rolling over anybody. They're the best team in the country right now, but that key word is still right now. I think there's still a long ways to go to figure out this thing as far as uh, – there will be somebody that can step up to the plate and at least compete with them, I think.
1: You know, I I think you're right there, too. I will say I wouldn't be shocked if they just walked in and opened up a can of whoop-ass on everybody, Uh, you know, after last season, missing playoff, and, you know... They didn't even have Saban
0: last week and beat Auburn by almost 30.
1: That's what I'm saying. I'm like, okay. Um, I mean, Alabama... Just, you know, from what we know, and we just go off of what we know, obviously. uh, I would not be shocked if they rolled in and whooped everybody's ass. You know, I would like to think that given time, Clemson, Florida, Ohio State, Notre Dame would give them a run for their money. But, I mean, at this point, it's, it's... you almost come to expect something crazy from Alabama just to walk in and just lay it down, but you know it is twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, I like where Alabama's at right now, but I'm not closing that door. I, I still think that these teams can compete uh, at a high level with Alabama when it matters most. Um, but we'll see. Seth Kaiser going to join us coming up to talk Chiefs as we'll go inside the film room to talk about this squad and uh, where they're at heading into this weekend's game against the Broncos. Coming up later on in the show, we'll do our Big 12 basketball breakdown. Great start for the Big 12 on the basketball front with uh, one week in the books. We'll recap all of that, plus our Tom Fullery story of the week and some news in the NBA. Russell Westbrook has a new home. We'll talk about all that and more as we roll along here on the Jones Report. Seth Kaiser joins us next. Stay with us. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from the Athletic Kansas City. He is the film analyst for the Kansas City Chiefs. It is our buddy Seth Kaiser, who's back on the program once again. Seth, appreciate the time as always. Hope you're doing well, man. What's going on? Uh, Not a whole lot.
3: Just, uh, you know, enjoying life, enjoying a wacky, weird week of football. Um, And just, uh, you know, life is good. I I honestly can't complain too awful much. It's. It only got down to like 8 degrees last night, so we're doing fine up here in the
0: north. <laughs> uh, and, and Seth, of course, is in Minnesota, in case you don't know. And so uh, those 8-degree nights, uh, he'll take uh, any time he can get them at this point, uh, basically being in Canada South. Uh, <laughs> Seth, <laughs> uh, does the film look as good as what uh, we see uh, on television? Is that all 32 do it justice for how well this uh, team is executing right now. What say you as far as how the Chiefs look uh, from your vantage point? Uh,
3: you know, they, they, they look excellent. And, you know, I think it's kind of an interesting thing. I hope as many Chiefs as possible um, watch the, the Ravens and the Steelers play. Um, because both of them, you know, the Ravens are obviously missing, you know, a, a ton of players. And, you know, the Steelers are, you know, they, they come into the game the only undefeated team in the NFL. And so a lot of Chiefs fans have had a lot to say about the Chiefs in terms of, well, they don't look as dominant as they could, right, and things like that. And there's kind of a funny thing that's happening. It seems like there's a disconnect between what a good team looks like and what fans are starting to expect from the Chiefs, which is something close to perfection and so far they look like a really good team that isn't dominating through four quarters, no, because it's the NFL, and they haven't hit their ceiling yet. But overall, um, the defense looked better against Tampa Bay. Uh, Still have some stuff to work on. They definitely still need to work on communication on the back end, which is unusual for them. But overall, I think they look like the best team in football, and I'm really not sure if it's that close. Yeah,
0: uh, I like what they've done uh, this season, and – uh, you look back at that Bucks game. Let's uh, start with Tyreek Hill, over 260 receiving yards. Uh, you know he had a few touchdowns. Was just phenomenal in that first quarter. One of the best quarters of football I've seen from an individual ever. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? First off, uh, I know that they did a lot of one-on-one coverage, but even then, uh, what were you seeing on film that allowed that to happen for Tyreek Hill to have such a big day on Sunday?
3: Um, it was it was a simple matter of not understanding the situation that you're in, and that's that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like you said, you know the single coverage they could see. Uh, you, you you can see a lot when you just watch it during the broadcast. The thing that you see on all twenty-two is that the the Buccaneers, for one reason or another decided to come out playing with a single high safety whether it was in cover three or whether they were in man coverage and some teams have played cover three very successfully against the Chiefs you know this idea that no one ever plays single high against the Chiefs just isn't accurate Uh, and that's something I've seen circulated teams do play the Chiefs single high but almost always with some sort of bracket or some sort of special attention paid to Tyreek Hill and we saw why Um, It was, like you said, it's one of the best corners of football I've ever seen any player at any position play as well. And it was just demonstrative of why you can't play the Chiefs the same way you play other teams. You can't play them. Mahomes is too good, and him is too good. Um, Because he's not just fast, right? He's great at catching back shoulder throws, doing all sorts of other things uh, with 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 his body control and ball skills. And what you saw was an example of why teams have to play the Chiefs differently. They have to bracket certain ways. They have to have uh, basically contingencies put in place to ensure that Tyreek Hill doesn't hang 200 yards on them in a quarter.
0: Yeah, and Seth, the thing that I look at is, you know, with these opponents that the Chiefs face, the counter argument, and I totally get where they're coming from, is that okay, if you don't double Tyreek Hill, then someone else is just going to go off with Travis Kelsey or in this case, Sammy Watkins was healthy. We know what McCole Hardman or Demarcus Robinson is capable of as well. Those guys, heck, even Byron Pringle showed up at times uh, to play pretty well too. Um, that's what I look at. If you're these opponents, okay, what are you going to do then if uh, you decide uh, to double Tyreek Hill? Then you're going to give up something at some point. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect situation
3: for the Chiefs, and Sunday was a great example of that. Absolutely. Um, you, you really, you, you can't, like people talk about, you can't double-team everyone. And it is worth noting that when people talk about double-teams in football, because there's such a variety of pattern match and zone coverages that are used, you know, you rarely see straight, explicit double-teams. Defense is, all, is often, one way I had it explained to me, is in terms of triangles. And you, you want to have, you, you want to have, defenders with triangles where you've always got someone who can reach a certain spot, right? Um, with the Chiefs, you, you tend to have those triangles be shrunk around Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You need guys closer to them. And that can be done with really good personnel and really good scheme. You can try really hard to account for both of them. They still usually do pretty well because they're as great as they are. But it can be done. It's just really, really, really hard and requires elite personnel and great game planning. And when you don't have quite elite personnel and you've got the wrong game plan, you see players just go off, like Travis Kelsey against the Panthers, um, Tyree Kill against the Buccaneers. And then also, you end up with guys like Hardman and Watkins who get theirs because now all of a sudden you just, you've run out of triangles, right? You just don't have enough space. And I, I do think it's just worth noting in terms of the Chiefs, you can see how unique they are in how a pair of decent NFC teams have responded to them. Uh, the, the Panthers just weren't ready for Travis Kelsey. They just weren't. Sure. And the Bucks, the Bucks weren't ready for Tyreek Hill. And I think you see what happens when you've got teams that haven't played the Mahomes-era Chiefs. They're impossible to prepare for if you've never seen them before because you're not used to that much speed and that much talent.
0: Well, the thing I look at, Seth is the team that I feel like and you may have a very different opinion on this I don't know but the team or coach that has best prepared for the Chiefs that's done a you know at least a decent job as well as you could have anyway in my opinion and I don't find this to be a coincidence is Bill Belichick in New England whether mm-hmm. you, we've seen you know a couple times where he either took away Tyreek Hill or took away Travis Kelsey. Even the game they played earlier this year, New England, being as down as they are, still put up a decent fight. They slowed down the Chiefs to an extent, uh, comparably speaking, to what most teams have done this year. Uh, what say you? Who, who does pose the biggest threat? Who, who does the best job of, of slowing down the Chiefs?
3: Um, I think the team that's done the, the the best job consistently, I would say, would be right now the Chargers. Um, I think I think Belichick has done an excellent job overall as well. But the the Chiefs have managed to have some second half explosions against them that they haven't had the same way against the Chargers, and they they just consistently give them problems. And I personally think that's more of a personnel thing. And I think they're a well-coached defense overall, but it's, I think it's just a personnel and a, and a matchup issue, because you see, the Chargers defense not give other teams as hard a time as they give the chiefs. In fact, you know, some teams the defense doesn't really look very good. And then suddenly against the chiefs, they look really good. It's a crazy thing to watch, and it just shows how matchup-dependent football is. But those, there really just aren't a lot of teams, because even doing well against the chiefs, it's a sliding scale. Doing well against the Chiefs means that you only give up like 25-30 points. Sure, exactly. Seth Kaiser
0: of The Athletic joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, Seth, uh, Patrick Mahomes, the MVP favorite at this point in the season. Where has Patrick Mahomes proved in what, he's already been such a great quarterback, you know, the best quarterback since he, you know, became the starter for the Chiefs, but even then where has he improved from this point uh right now as opposed to what he was even last season
3: sure i think uh you you see little improvements um the the speed that he reads the field has upticked every year um watch him go left right middle left middle right middle right whatever right going through his reads. it's just faster he seems to be able to go through multiple reads quicker to where he can read the entire side of the field and then, and then reset. Um, his footwork on standard stuff has improved. Uh, he never really needed it, as we've seen, but it has improved to where I think he's more consistently accurate. Um, not that he was ever inaccurate again. These are all things like going from good to great or from great to elite. Um, he's, he's definitely, over the course of the last four or five games, it's been interesting, even though they've had some protection issues at times. He's been very, very calm in the pocket. He's, he's, he's not really bailed out of clean pockets, and he's made things happen when there is pressure. He he's really just taken all the things that he was already good at, and he's gotten even better. And then the few areas, like the ones I just listed, where he he was maybe only good, right, or well above average, he's turning those into strengths as well. Uh, a final area is his his use of his feet in terms of scrambling, oh, yes. he's become more willing interestingly enough to tuck and run the ball sometimes as opposed to surveying down the field and looking for the big play most quarterbacks it's the reverse you've got to teach them to keep their eyes down the field longer with Mahomes in 2018 there were times where he would just look for the big play look for the big play and then you know you lose the opportunity to scramble you have to throw the ball away etc Whereas now, he's kind of seemed to realize that if you get a first down on a play versus a very improbable shot play on like a third down or even like a second down, it's worth it to get the first down and give yourself a fresh set of chances. And so he's become a safer quarterback, a more efficient quarterback, without taking away the playmaking, which was something I was curious if he could do, and of course he's done it. (laughs)
0: Well, and uh, you make a great point about that uh, running ability from Patrick, and I-, I think you know just watching him, and-, and I've watched every game his entire career like you have, but even then, I still am shocked seeing that he has a decent amount of speed, too. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson, don't get me wrong, but right. it-, it seems like that when he does escape, when he needs to get a first down, You could count on him to have that that running ability. I mean, he's not like Big Ben, you know, a big old fat guy running out there trying to get, you know, every, you know, just three or four yards. I mean, you can count on Patrick if you need him to escape, get eight, nine, ten yards. That's very easy within his capabilities.
3: Absolutely. And I mean occasionally he's picked up much bigger gains. He's got decent speed that I think it's a little bit underrated. I don't know about his top end speed, but his acceleration's not bad. And he's just a natural uh ball player. He he understands and maybe this is the multi sport background, he just understands how to fake out defenders and how to move in a way that just he shakes guys who seem to be better athletes than him, and it's consistent. And I would be willing to bet you a great deal, and they're going to be careful with this because obviously you can't get Patrick Mahomes hurt, but I wouldn't surprise me with some of the issues they've had moving the ball in short yardage situations if you're not going to see more and more of these option plays and, and bootlegs and things like that designed to kind of mask some of the interior offensive line run blocking issues.
0: Seth Geiser of the Athletic joining us here at the Jones Report this week. Seth, uh, I know that you're not a huge fan of the running back position. Um, the Chiefs have not ran the football a whole lot the last few weeks with their uh, their running backs. Do you see them getting back to that running game using uh, you know Clyde Edwards Elaer and Le'veon Bell? More seems like you know Bell had a decent game there, his first game against the Broncos, but We haven't really heard from him a whole lot, uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part, since he joined the
3: Chiefs. Sure. Well, you know, you you had back-to-back games there with the Bills and the Broncos where they played too high basically the entire time, and their linebackers at the snap, a lot of the times, even when the Chiefs were running RPOs, were backpedaling, and they were trying to cheat towards the pass game. And so the Chiefs just ran the ball a ton. And that's what Chiefs fans should remember, is that it wasn't but a month, month and a half ago that people were saying, oh, man, why is Andy getting away from the pass, right? And what they're going to do, it's going to be based on the game plan every time. It's going to be based on what the opponent does. The Chiefs run a lot of RPOs, and people have to remember that because week after week, I see people say, why are they running on second down? And I say, because it was an RPO, and Mahomes saw something that he liked. He read the defender, and, he, and so he handed the ball off based on the read. And that's something that we've got to keep in mind. I think you're probably going to have maybe, well, with how well Mahomes is playing, I would assume we're going to see a game in the near future, and who knows how soon, maybe it'll be Denver again, where the team decides to sell out completely to stop the pass, and you're going to see Edwards Hilaire get, you know, 20 carries, you can see Bell get 15 carries, something like that, and and on and on we go. Um, The big concern for me with Edwards Hilaire, who I really love as a player, is why he's not more involved in the passing game. And I don't just mean screens and checkdowns. I mean deliberate targets in space and down the field because he's shown he can do it. So that's one area I feel like they haven't really unlocked in their offense. Yeah, I think you're absolutely
0: right about that. And we know that Edwards-Elair is an excellent receiver. There's no reason why he shouldn't be involved more in the uh, passing game, quite frankly. Uh, Seth, you mentioned that, People expect a lot out of this team, you know, perfection sure. of sorts. Um, how much do you think Andy Reid and this offense have shown what they're capable of at this point? If you had to put a percentage on it, uh, where where do you think this offense is at right now of of what they're fully capable of, of you know what they've shown at this point in the season?
3: Sure. So, like, you're asking, like, if I were to give a percentage of where they are short of their A-plus game to mix a couple of – the measurements, yes, um, yes. Um, I, I would say eighty
0: okay. percent for a full game. Okay, um, that's and uh, that's about the range I was thinking of. It, it seemed like that Bucks game, in particular, that first quarter, we did see in the bigger games this year, whether it's the Bucks game, the Ravens game, the Bills game, we have seen them open up maybe a little more than what they've had against lesser opponents of some sorts. Is that what you've seen too?
3: Um, you know, it seems as though. They, 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 they have these dominant stretches and then you just end up whether it's against bad teams, good teams and then you just see you know, a lapse here, a lapse there whether it's a play call where they could have been more aggressive or some missed execution and it's been a little bit of both and I think it seems like it always happens a few drives in a row where you see some of those similar issues and so I think that's where you just look for that consistency It's hard to be consistently dominant throughout 60 minutes in the NFL. Um, And it's just, it's not college. And so, I think that you're you're only going to see the occasional 100% game from from start to finish. And honestly, I don't know if you're ever going to see a A full-fledged A-plus start-to-finish game from the Chiefs offense this year. Because the reality of the situation is, if they're playing A-plus on offense through three quarters, unless the defense is playing absolutely god-awful football you're not gonna see you're not gonna see any reason for the offense to continue to go full throttle in the fourth quarter because the Chiefs had eight plus they're unstoppable well and, and, and you're gonna have 35 points put up by the force
0: yeah well I mean case in point back to the bucks game last week Seth um, I didn't feel like the score was indicative of how much they dominated they win by three sure but They ran out the clock with four minutes to go. If they needed to score, based on the way things are going, they could have. They very well could have scored a touchdown there, probably make that a two-possession win of sorts there. I mean, it's uh, the ball control football, uh, the, the Chiefs are in this mode of sorts, it seems, that they can dictate how these
3: games can go of sorts. Yes. And that, that's the thing is, it's something to keep in mind. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, man, why, why do the Chiefs take their foot off the gas so much when they have a lead? It's worth noting they've won six games by, by at least nine points or more. And they've won a couple games by, you know, 20-odd points and multiple games by multiple touchdowns. And, but nine-plus points, that's where you're talking at least two, you know, a touchdown and a field goal. And that's more wins than, like, two-thirds of the NFL has total. So they they really, they they just controlled the action. You know, you even look at, like, say, the Buccaneers game. It got a little closer than I would have liked at the end. But really, there were still a lot of things that needed to happen for Tampa Bay to complete their comeback. And there's a reason the win probability model still never got below 75% for Kansas City. They controlled that game from start to finish, by and large. And they are able to, and I like the way you phrase that, they can control the action to where, There's really not a lot of fear. If you feel like you can throttle it up whenever you need to, there's just not a lot of fear of any score, down or distance, anything like that. They just are that much better on offense than what most defenses are able to show them.
0: Seth Kaiser, the Athletic, joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Seth, let's talk defense now. Uh, What's your takeaways from this defense at this point in the season, man?
3: Uh, you know, they have been, it's been up and down. Um, the, throughout the first, I'd say, six or seven games, um, or maybe even seven or eight games, with, the, with kind of, you know, if you were calling it an, aber- an aberration game against the Raiders, they by and large looked really good. And, their, you know, the expectations were becoming pretty high. And then, you know, the, the Raiders did a lot of damage against them again. Derek Carr has played two, the two best games of his career this year, I think, both against the Chiefs. And John Gruden, I think, by and large, has Spagnuolo's number right now. Uh, but, you know, the, the Panthers did pretty well against the defense as well. Tom Brady was able to make some things happen. And so there, there's question marks there. The pass defense isn't as good as it was to start the year. You're not seeing consistent pressure except when they blitz. And if teams pick up the blitz like you saw from Tampa Bay in the second half or the Raiders when they play, there's problems. Because if, you, if you're living and dying by the blitz, and you're not getting there quickly, there's going to be openings on the back end. And they've had some issues with that. Um, so they're, they're, you know, the run defense thing has never really been an issue to me at all. Um, it's just not that big a concern went for the Chiefs. Just running the ball is not a valid way to really beat the Chiefs unless your defense is going to hold them to 17 points. And that's a terrible strategy against the Chiefs. Yes. But their pass, the pass defense, they need to get that – back together and the big thing was down the stretch last year the pass rush was very good and so we're going to need to see more out of frank clark in particular if they want to have the easiest path if that's the right word to trying to repeat so with that being said
0: with the pass rush and going mia after leading the league in sacks the last two years what happened to that pass rush why are they not as effective as effective
3: as they previously were well, I think you've got a couple of differences between this season and last season. Um, and, you know, there, were a lot, there was a lot of talk about Chris Jones after the Raiders game. And what was interesting to me, uh, and I wrote about this in, in the Chief of the North newsletter, I, I charted every pass rush snap by the defensive line. And of the pass rush wins um, that, that the defensive linemen collected, Jones had over half of them. Which, in one thing, it's, wow, Chris Jones is a really good player, even in games where you don't really notice as much. But it also, no one else is really winning. And you're not seeing it much. Frank Clark isn't playing as well as he was this time last year. And it's by a fairly wide margin. So that would be the first thing. I expect him to put it together. He's been a very good player in the league for a very long time. But it wouldn't surprise me. You know, we've heard other things about, like, a stomach flu or, you know, whatever it is that's kind of been bothering him health-wise this year. Honestly, it looks like he's playing at a little bit lighter a weight, and he doesn't look as strong as he did down the stretch last year. And a lot of his pass rushes are strength-based, whether it's a long arm or a bull rush, and then that sets up some of his counter moves. And you're just not seeing as much of that this year, which is what it was like early last season and came together down the stretch. Um, That's the biggest difference between this year and last year. Another big difference is last year they got more contributions out of their secondary pass rushers. Um, like Emmanuel Agba played pretty well before he got hurt last year, and he's playing really well in Miami And Taco Charlton was doing okay, but not quite as well uh, as Agba did last year And then obviously he got hurt um, Mike Dane is a rookie, so you're seeing the expected um, inconsistency there And he, he just hasn't developed enough as a rusher to be anything consistent To know passing, he hasn't been quite as good this year He's never really developed a primary or secondary move and Spagnuolo's system isn't kind of getting them in quite the positions it was last year. So they just don't have that same production from the quote-unquote other guys. Whenever you got a pass rush, you need more than two guys winning um, in order to be a really consistently good pass rush. So the thing to watch down the stretch is Tershawn Wharton's development. I think he's their best shot at getting back to an elite pass rush other than Frank Clark just playing like we know he can play right sure I think that, I think that's the best shot is Frank Clark playing like we know we can play that would come a long way well, and then him and Jones can start playing complimentary ball again and, and also Sean Wharton stepping also too, up would be huge
0: yeah yeah let me add real quick too uh, Frank Clark had a bit of a slump at the beginning of last year too I mean this yep. is not something unfamiliar with he can get out of this
3: absolutely and whether it's a health thing or what I expect him and he, he's a prideful guy. And he's going to bring it with everything he's got down the stretch, so we'll see how things go. We're just now kind of entering crunch time of, this, of the season, and this is where Clark really turned it on last year. Uh, it was about the final 11 games, if you include the playoffs. So we'll see how things go there. But with, with Wharton, the thing for him is he's a rookie, and so like if you go back and watch the Tampa Bay snaps, there were multiple snaps where he just got destroyed. And that's going to happen to an interior defensive lineman their rookie year. It's just going to. But he does have a unique combination of of functional strength and athleticism. And he's able to put it together at times in a way that makes you say, wow, there's some real there's some real potential here. It's just a matter of learning how to use his hands, how to distribute his weight, how to recognize run versus pass more quickly, to where, you know, he doesn't he can transition a little bit faster. And so those are all things that he'll keep working on. And it's going to be tough for him to be a consistent contributor at any point in his rookie year. But the more he sees and the more he learns, if he can keep developing, that might really pay some dividends with all these snaps he's playing right now in January and in February. Well, and uh,
0: you look at the last two weeks, Seth, they've given up you know, a lot of passing yards. And it's no secret that this team does not like to spend money when it comes to the cornerback position. They've set this up where the defensive line has to be effective in order for the secondary to be effective. I don't find it any coincidence the secondary has struggled of sorts the last couple of weeks with the defensive line not holding their end. It's it's a a domino effect of some sorts. Absolutely.
3: Um, this is a team that is built from the front to the back, and it's worth noting that Jerry Sneed is still coming back from an injury um, he's still getting rotated in. Terminus Ward's been playing better of late than he was to start the season. I think he's back to playing good football. Uh, Bashad Breland's played relatively well, although the Raiders were able to exploit his lack of deep speed a little bit. Um, one of the biggest changes from this year to last on the back end, and we saw this um, against the Buccaneers, Juan Thornhill is not back yet. Um, he doesn't have that same elite speed that he used to. And I think that'll probably come back. You know, a lot of players these days return from an ACL injury within a year, but they still say it takes them two years before they really feel like themselves. And there were a couple plays against the Buccaneers where we saw running backs and wide receivers accelerating towards the sideline, and Thornhill had to take an angle to catch them, and, you know, they still gained an extra, you know, 5, 10, 15 yards, as opposed to being able to cut them off. He just doesn't have that elite speed that he did his rookie year where he was the only guy in training camp that was keeping up with Tyree Kill down, stride for stride down the field.
0: All right, Seth, uh, this weekend Chiefs taking on the Broncos. What are you expecting from that matchup on Sunday night?
3: I, I think the Chiefs are going to do pretty well against the Broncos. Unlike the Raiders, the Broncos have yet to show they, they match up well. In terms of personnel or in terms of of coaching matchups you know Gruden has exploited Spagnuolo um, a little bit and has really learned to pick up his blitzes and call shot plays at good times Uh, plus Derek Carr right now is playing much 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 better than the Broncos quarterbacks, depending on you know such as they are Uh, I guess we'll we'll see exactly who plays and how all that goes down um, but I, I expect the Chiefs to win by double digits, and, and they, they've been playing really well as of late. I don't think the Broncos have what it takes to hang with them.
0: All right. We'll uh, look forward to it coming up on Sunday Night Football. Steph, uh, where can people find all your great work, uh, whether it's with The Athletic or the uh, newsletter? A lot of options to uh, get some great Chiefs content from uh, yours truly. Uh, tell us about that, Steph.
3: Uh, sure you can find you can find my stuff I, I usually write an article a week for the athletic breaking down some of the film uh, right now we're setting up uh, a few different things that I think people will like about Patrick Mahomes improvements from from his last first two years and some myth busting uh, and then you can also check out uh, the Chief of the North newsletter which is more of a recent pet project of mine where I'm just trying to get even more film review to people uh, right now there's an article up about Andy Reid trusting the Holmes for the final drive against the Buccaneers and how that kind of it differs from what he's done in the past. Um, it's also, there's also an article talking about Tyree Kill's varied skill set, how he's really kind of emerges as, uh, as wide receiver one, at least in the argument. So you look at that, that's the Chief of the North newsletter, um, still available for, for 12 bucks a year forever if you subscribe now. So far, people seem to be enjoying it.
0: That's great. Seth, I love it. Appreciate the time as always, my friend, and I will talk again soon. Thanks for joining us, man. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Seth Kaiser of The Athletic for joining us here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, back here with you now for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em. Fellas, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We certainly had an appetite full of great picks last week, all three of us. Did spectacular TJ not so much, but that's kind of the way things go here on this show. Um, Bo, you went eight and two. I went eight and two, and Tom, you went eight and two as well. So let's continue that success this week. Keep that trend going. Tom's got a one game lead on me. He's sixty five fifty one and four. I'm sixty four fifty two and four. And Coach Bo Brian O'Connor, you're not too far back. Just four game, just four games back of me five games back at Thomas of the lead. Uh, Things go your way. You could possibly even take the lead this week based on the way things can flip so quickly in uh, the way this goes. Uh, Brian, first off, before we dive in too much, tell us what's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group as we enter the month of December as the holiday season is here.
2: Yes, so we've been trying to get caught up. We had a little bit of, uh, early this week, just kind of get caught up from a holiday week. It's always a little bit of a, a lot of extra phone calls, things coming in, but we're doing well, caught up, ready to go. Hey, what we're looking for at the end of the year here is: Do you know somebody, either yourself or someone who's going through this COVID stuff, and their employer is saying they're offering them a buyout? They're saying, "Hey, if you want to retire, if you want to leave, they'll offer you a buyout." And you are going, "Should I be able? Should I do this? this is it the right decision for me?" We are more than happy to go over that with you for no fee. We'll actually take a look at that, have a conversation with you. will be talking to me, myself on it, saying, hey, what are you wanting to accomplish? Let's take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly on it and see how we can do it. I'll probably throw a couple of ideas at you you probably haven't even thought about yet on that. So I've got time. We'd love to chat with you about anybody who needs to do a buyout or has been offered one here, whether it's the end of the year or maybe end of Q1 of 2021.
0: Definitely want to check that out. Don't push it off to the holidays. I hate the excuse that people say, well, I'd rather wait till then. Just go ahead and take care of this. Look at it now and uh, get, to, get a free consultation from uh, Brian O'Connor and his team at O'Connor Advisory Group. Check them out on Facebook. Also online, O'Connor Advisory O A G K S O A G K S.com is the website. And you're also available by phone and
2: email as well, Brian. Absolutely. Get- Give me a call 785-856-0720. All of our contact information is on our new website. The easy way to find it is OAGKS.com. It's O'Connor Advisory Group or OAGKS.com.
0: There you have it. And uh, Thomas Bridges, you are the leader for the second straight week. Uh, any uh any words of advice to uh the betters out there uh, to follow your uh, lead of a, of a 14 game uh, above 500 uh, mark that you're at any, any advice to those uh, at home listening?
1: You know, what, you guys can uh, take the advice. Well, you know, I say that Bo Bo has been good. He's been a, he's been a loyal, you know, blue and gold fan here. Uh, We're picking the Rams this week. Rams versus Cardinals. Rams are a three point favorite lock
0: it in all right we'll get to that in a bit you you're spoiled it already we don't even know i'm just that telling
1: game. you we, i'm just telling you for the rest of it, hopefully jose and brian well, i guess brian nolan's not playing anymore but billy and derek and jose and reed and yourself and oh my gosh i'm looking at tj's picks stand oh i'm whoa i'm i don't know all right Maybe don't give anything
0: gonna... to away all right stop, no, stop, all right stop stop stop, stop it's like before a you christmas get present some. All righty. Let's get after it. Uh, game number one on the college football slate. It is number 12, Indiana. Take it out, number 16, Wisconsin. The Badgers are a 14-point favorite. Guys, I look at this game, and I have underestimated this Indiana team all year long, and they put up quite a fight against Ohio State, and they have been... Uh, very unfriendly to those that have picked against them this year. Indiana, fantastic against the spread. Wisconsin, they were off to a very good start to this year. And then laid an egg against Northwestern a couple of weeks ago. Wisconsin's a 14-point favorite. Guys, I think Wisconsin's the better team. And this is not a knock on Indiana for the season that they've had and what they've accomplished. I think Wisconsin win the, wins this game, but that's way too many points at 14. Give me
2: Indiana to cover. Uh, Bo, we'll start with you. Who you got on this one? All right, so let's do, do this. Remember that these picks, when you if you're going to play my action, you fade the college action and roll with the, NBA, the NFL action. Um, the, seriously, we've got this list. I got this list from you within the last hour. I have done zero research. But I do have a question. What is Indiana's record against the spread this year? Because, like you were saying, they have been phenomenal against the spread. I don't um, think they've lost time. against the spread this year. I'm not sure they have, and I think they've covered when they've been a dog. Um, for that reason and that reason alone and 14 points being so much, I'm taking Indiana and 14.
0: All right, Tom, does Indiana keep the trend going? 14 is too
1: much for me. Uh and Indiana played a hell of a game against Ohio State. Uh I I mean I think Indiana, you know, I granted it's they haven't, you know, played a whole lot of games, you know, it's not been a full season obviously. Um but Indiana's been impressive. If this was 10, I think Wisconsin can win this game. I wouldn't doubt if Indiana pulls this out. I don't think though. Let's just say Wisconsin wins. I don't think they win by more than two touchdowns, so either this is a push or Indiana covers. Um, that's how I feel about it.
0: Yeah. Lay the points. Put all your money on Indiana to uh, cover that 14-point margin. We're all in agreement. Of course, TJ picked Wisconsin. Um, so that tells you all you need to know, folks, at it's home. Us. We're locked, juiced in, baby. <laughs> oh,
2: 14, we're good.
0: Hey, I like it. Number six, Texas A&M taking on Auburn. The Aggies, a seven-point favorite. bowl. we'll start with you. What do you think about this matchup here?
2: All right, so I watched the A&M-LSU game last Saturday night. It was the worst performance I've seen by an LSU offense in a few years, but it was the best performance I've seen from LSU's defense all season, which tells me absolutely nothing about Texas a Um I am going to take A&M in this game but I'm taking m cuz I also watched part of uh, with the Auburn Alabama game and Boat Nix is awful. I mean he's <laughs> just awful. He confirmed exactly what I thought he was coming into this season. I know I think Tyler was it you that was high on Boat Nix at the beginning of the season this year. I was. I bought, yes. Yeah. So I and I was like, I don't know. Uh I'm going to take m I'm going to lay the 7 cuz I just think Auburn's awful. Yeah. And uh Yeah, I'm with you Uh, I'm taking A&M here And more
0: so because of how bad Auburn is Auburn is not a good football team Uh, Gus Malzahn I think Is on his way out the door Um, Jimbo has Had a fairly good year There at Texas A&M To me this is more about how bad Auburn is, not necessarily how good Texas A&M is, I'll go with A&M To uh, win and cover the points At 7, Tom who you got?
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with A&M, too, and it's not about how
0: good A&M is.
1: Um, like you guys mentioned, it's Auburn's just bad. I mean, that was one of the most underwhelming Iron Bowls I think of. To be honest, I didn't even watch it. I looked at the score and thought, nah, not, nah, no, not doing it. <laughs> nah, I'm not doing it. Um, I mean, Malzahn's gone. He's got to be. Um, so, I mean, I, A&M should win this game.
0: They should. Yeah. All right. So far, we're all in agreement. Uh, TJ took Auburn, so another sign uh, to uh, reaffirm.
2: Parlay, baby. Par- <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going straight. Don't fade my action this week. Give me both those. I'm parlaying
0: that <laughs> Uh Liberty taking on Coastal Carolina. Now, here's an interesting situation, uh, and that I've been told uh, by TJ uh, of what is going to happen here, and this has not had to do with uh, as far as Betting goes, so you can trust this information from TJ. Um, Here's what's going on. Liberty's got some COVID issues of some sorts, and there's a chance this game doesn't happen. If that is the case, then BYU will step in, and BYU does not have an opponent this week. They're looking to play as many games as they can to impress the committee, as BYU is currently ranked 13th in the standings. So, guys, I'm going to ask you to make essentially two picks here. Um, if the Coastal Carolina-Liberty game happens, Coastal Carolina's an 11-point favorite. If Coastal Carolina plays BYU, and that game would be at Coastal, then BYU would be a three-point favorite on the road. So we'll start with you, Tom. Tell me who you would like in either one of those scenarios. I'm taking Coastal all the way, straight
1: across the board. Uh, for what it's worth, I hope they play BYU because, well, yeah, we've talked about this all season. I'm sick of BYU. I am sick of them. Uh, they haven't played anybody all year, and Coastal Carolina is obviously undefeated, and they're not even the best opponent. Um, and I'm I'm taking Coastal Carolina to whoop that ass. Um, I I mean, obviously, I mean, I I think it's a I I, I mean, you guys are still on the pick board, but. I think it's a no-brainer taking Coastal over Liberty, especially if they have you know COVID issues. Uh, but I mean, there's my there's my picks.
0: Okay, um, here's how I'll work this situation. Um, Liberty's had a big year uh, with you as their head coach, but COVID and this you know option attack. This it's like a, a glorified triple option. What? Coastal Carolina does. They ate KU alive with this thing, and I know that's not saying much, but nonetheless, uh, I did see them play earlier this year, and they impressed me. Uh, I like Coastal Carolina to cover if they play Liberty. If it's BYU, guys, Brigham Young has been fantastic this year. Uh, Wilson, he's a Heisman contender. They got a lot of talent. That BYU team is legit. Um, they should be considered for the playoff discussion. I would like BYU to cover. If they get to play Coastal Carolina, it's also worth noting, BYU this week is getting ready as if they're going to play Coastal Carolina. In Coastal's case, they're having to prepare essentially for two opponents, and they don't know who they're going to face just yet. So that's how I would split it. Bo, how would you split it uh, based on those two possible
2: matchups here? Okay, so you basically have stolen half my thunder there. So um, <laughs> I, feel the way. I, I, I like Coastal minus the eleven. Uh, against Liberty, the the COVID issues. The other thing about Liberty is Hugh Freeze is going to get out of there. I know he got an extension, but he's going to be out to paint as soon as uh, um, a a Power 5 team comes and gets him. That's going to happen. I think that's going to happen sooner than later. I know South Carolina was looking at him. Uh, Supposedly he's told them, no, thank you. But dollars walk, and and then Liberty is not exactly the the dream job. So – I think that's a shaky thing to think about in that game. Um, As for the BYU game, so now if you're coastal, think about this as a defensive standpoint. You're trying to now plan on playing against Liberty, who runs one offense, BYU, who has a totally opposite style of of offense. That's a little too much to ask to prepare for two games like that, two teams in one week. That's not college basketball. Yeah, so I think instead, I think that's a big thing for me. So I'm going to say in the BYU opportunity, if BYU is at Coastal, I think that's a close game, but I think BYU can cover three. So I'll take BYU if they play that game. If it's Liberty, I'll take Coastal.
0: There you have it. So we're all in agreement that Jerry Falwell is going to take another L. Uh, as he's done this year, if uh, that occurs. But it looks like uh, Joseph Smith is going to uh, take. We got two for him uh, here in that case. So we'll see what happens there. Um, <laughs> next one for you. This one, another good group of five matchup. Number 25, Louisiana Lafayette. They call themselves Louisiana now for some reason. Taking on App State. App State, they've had a really good run the last couple of years. They're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Louisiana, we we mentioned beat Iowa State earlier this year. Historic season for them. Uh, They're ranked at 25. Um, What are we thinking here, guys? Uh, Tom, I'll start with you this time. You you like the Raging Cajuns, or are you going with the Mountaineers here? You know, I've got to go with App State
1: here. Uh, They are at home. Two-and-a-half's not that big. I think
0: the Cajuns, did they lose to Coastal? Um, let's, uh, I know, uh, app state lost to coastal
1: app state lost to coastal. Maybe they both did. Um, let's look. I think so. I mean, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a, a, you know, a tougher matchup here, uh, in my mind, but, um, for what it's worth, I like app state here. They're at home. Uh, not taking any away. They, you know, Coastal Carolina did beat the Cajuns. Um, you know, I, I think that App State can pull this off. Um, two and a half at home. I'll, I'll roll with App State.
0: Okay. I'll go with App State here as well. Um, I liked what Louisiana did earlier in the year with that win, uh, against Iowa State and such, but toss up game. Uh, one way or the other, I'll, I'll take the home team in this case. Give me App State to uh, take care of business there. Bo, who you got?
2: Okay, so it is University of Louisiana. It used to be ULL. They're just the University of Louisiana. Now, the whole school changed their name. That's my hood. I know I know my Louisiana people. <laughs> so, um, hey, look, there is no way that I'm not picking a team from Louisiana. <laughs> the raging Agents. Um, hey, look, I, I, I love what they're doing at UL. Um, you know, half their kids are kids that just either couldn't get into LSU or they just didn't get could work quite good enough to go to LSU. There's so much great talent high school-wise in Louisiana. UL does such a great job at getting those kids. Um, that's what that team is made of. So you know they're deep. Um, I do know a little bit about App State. I know that App State has that quarterback. I saw him on uh, Marty McGee this past week. With the uh, mullet. He has the big, long mullet. Have you guys seen this yet? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm going to take Louisiana, and I'm resisting calling them ULL, but the Raging Cajuns, uh, I'll take two and a half, and a uh, little bit of a homer pick for me there.
0: Okay. I like it. Hey, we'll, we'll take the homer picks uh, around here. That's just fine. Uh, more power to you uh, with that hometown pride. Uh, speaking of homers, let's uh, go to Thomas Bridges uh, for yeah. our next game. Number 15, Oklahoma State taking on TCU – OSU just a two and a half point favorite on the road. I know TCU looked good against KU last week, but I'll be the first to tell you it was it was KU. Don't don't hold the phone there too much, uh, Tom. I have no reason to think why Oklahoma State can't win this game by more than two and a half. Right? Yeah, you would think so. I I don't know
1: if they're, you know, I don't. I, I think it could be close. I think they can win by three for sure. I, I'm not holding out hope. I I mean, I mean I. At that point, you would think they would have to cover it at at least three. Um, But, you know, it's in Amon G. Carter, Fort Worth. I honestly thought about going to this game and just leaving early Saturday morning. It is an 11 a.m. kick. It's really between that or the Baylor game the following week, and that's a 6 p.m. kick, so we'll see. But um, either way, you know, OSU – I don't know if Chuba's going to play, you know, with how Desmond Jackson's playing. I I expect to see a lot of Desmond Jackson. Over 200 yards last week against Tech. That's not saying a lot. I don't think OSU scores anywhere near 50 um, like they did against Tech. Um, And I don't think TCU scores anywhere near 44 like Tech did on OSU. I could see this being – a defensive struggle type game, like a
0: 24-20 game. OSU, go Pokes. Okay. Tom's going with Oklahoma State. I like the Pokes as well. Uh, Bo, who
2: you got here? All right, so my head's got me saying that uh, Oklahoma State's a better team. Um, What I'm going to do is take TCU. I'm going to take TCU as a home dog. Uh, Gary Patterson's always had a thing about being the home dog at home. uh, Home dog at home, that's redundant. Uh, being a home dog and pulling out something, there he's a well. He got a well-coached team usually, and I just don't know what Oklahoma State really is. They kind of have this checkered and hide thing I keep seeing. So I'm going to take
0: TCU. And uh, Tom, do you take that personal? No, uh, no,
1: not like I would <laughs> if you picked against the Rams.
0: Okay, we'll get to that in a bit. Browns and Titans, guys. This is my lock of the week. Uh, you know me. I've been high on the Titans all season long. I don't think anybody's been higher on the Titans that's not a Titans fan than yours truly. I like what this team is all about. Five and a half, Derrick Henry, all over this Browns team, easy money. Give me the Titans to win, I think, a touchdown, 10-point win. Browns, they're 8-3. and It's been a big year for the Browns, don't get me wrong, but those eight wins are all against bad teams. I think the Titans put on a show. Give me the Titans to cover five and a half. Bo, who you got here?
2: Okay, I like the Titans to win the game, but I like the Browns to cover. I think it's a three- or four-point game. Um, I also am on the Titans train with you here. I think Mike Vrabel is going to get some conversation on uh, on Coach of the Year. I think they've got a really – that's a team you don't want to play in the playoffs. That's the team that the Steelers and the Chiefs want no part of in the playoffs, that they can come down, slow the game down, uh, play their offense. They can beat anybody. Not. They can, and they're they're not a juggernaut of an offense, but they can get stuff. And they got Derrick Henry; he's playing phenomenal. Why we're not hearing about Derrick Henry as an MVP candidate beyond me? And we have to give it to a quarterback all the time. Derrick Henry's played phenomenal, and I like what he's doing. But I do think the Browns keep this close. I think it's close all game, and then the Brown the Titans offense grinds it out for him at the end to win it.
0: All right, Tom, you get to split the decision here. Who you got? You know, I'm going to have to go with the Titans
1: as well, to be honest. I mean, the I like what the Browns are doing. That's painful for me to say, um, you know, with Baker and all. But uh, they've been playing phenomenally, and, and I can't justify uh, picking against Derrick Henry. Uh, I mean, I think they can win this by a touchdown.
0: Okay. The Rams and the Cardinals. The Rams are a three-point favorite on the road in Arizona. Tom, we'll start with you. Tell us why the uh, Rams are your uh, lock this week. So, you know, unfortunately, the Rams lost to
1: the 49ers last week, as we all, well, at least I watched. Um, Unfortunately, that's a game you shouldn't have lost. Um, McVay, here's the thing about McVay. I think he takes losses more personally than anybody else in the league besides maybe Bill Belichick. And I say that because i watch watched every single week. And every every week that he ends up losing, he ends up coming back the next week and, and having a solid game plan. Um, the defense, Rams defense is good enough. I For whatever reason, the Rams have – they have like – when they play the 49ers, and I'm justifying this loss on this analogy – they have this OSU thing about them, like when OSU plays OU. It's like, a, for whatever reason, no matter how bad the 49ers are, the Rams, I mean, Shanahan is, just makes Sean McVay his bitch for whatever reason, and I don't know why. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury has that same effect. Um, and, you know, Mullins might not be as good a quarterback that Kyler Murray is, but I think – I think that Ramsey and that Rams defense can put pretty much put a lock on Hopkins, kind of like they did on DK Metcalf for this for the okay. Seahawks. A lot, a lot of similarities yeah. between that Seahawks and Cardinals team. I will take the Rams on the road. Okay, I got them winning by seven.
0: Okay, I got the Rams here. I know both these teams are coming off a loss, but the Cardinals uh, are on a bit of a bigger losing streak themselves. And I think they're starting. we're starting to see that Kyler Murray can't do everything. He and DeAndre Hopkins need some help on that team. Rams are just simply a better football team right now. I'll go with the fighting Jeff Fishers to cover as a, a three-point favorite to uh, win that game outright by a touchdown. I think they take care of business.
2: Bo, who you got? Um, okay, so I know the Rams are Thomas' team, but I'm the one in the beginning who said the Rams win the division and I'm just I'm holding on to hope now. Um I'm picking the Rams to cover as well. The Cardinals are tired. They've lost 3 out of 4. The one win is that that game against Buffalo that uh that that uh, the late the touchdown, the late one. The Hail Mary. The Hail Mary. And so I just think that they're you said it right with Murray and Hopkins they have something but they just aren't consistent offensively. And then defensively, they're just a little bit old in certain places, and they're just not good. Um, I like the Rams here. So give me the Rams. This is more on I'm, – I'm, I'm coming off of the Rams a little bit, but a good performance here gets me back on fully on the bandwagon.
0: Okay. All right, so we all like the Rams there. Bills and 49ers, Monday night football. We mentioned the Niners coming off a, a win against the Rams – the uh bills they had a bye week and then they end up beating the chargers at home by 10 points traveling to i believe this game's actually going to be in arizona 49ers can't play at their own facility right now with uh with a covid-19 lockdown in uh, santa clara county right now so a neutral site game really between these two guys uh i like this buffalo team uh 49ers, they have the Rams number, but that's about it at this point. I'll go with Buffalo to win one and a half. That's uh, that's easy money. I I, I like Buffalo. Uh, Bo, who you got here?
2: I like Buffalo as well. I know the 49ers are getting uh, most dirt back. He, I think he came back last week, but uh, I didn't play him in fantasy. Probably should have. But um, uh, I do uh, I like Buffalo here. The 49ers, where are they practicing? I know they're playing the rest of their games in Arizona. At the Cardinals facility, uh, or at the Cardinals Stadium, um, they couldn't just go over to Oakland and play, so they did their playing in Arizona. I don't know where they're practicing at. I think that's going to be a little rough that first week. So, go ahead and give me the bills. Okay, Tom, who you got?
1: Yeah, I mean, Forty ers They do have the Rams number. I don't think they have the Bills though. I mean, one and a half—that's pretty much a straight-up pick.
0: Yeah um and uh, the bills have owned the nfc west this year so uh this would be the season sweep if they can uh, pull this one off now they they lost to the cardinals but they almost had the sweep. oh that's right that's right you're the the hell murray of course duh um the uh, colts taking on the texans guys this is my upset special uh you know i've been selling the colts all season long uh i know that Romeo Cornell is not that great of a coach, but that offense was awesome against Detroit last week. Uh, give me Houston to uh, hold serve uh, there at a home. And, and uh, you know, they got the, the win against uh, New England a couple weeks ago too. Houston starting to turn a corner a little bit. Give me Houston to win this game outright as a three-point underdog. Tom, what you got? You know, I'm going to have to go with the Colts. And, Jones, we talked about it last week. We said the Colts
1: got exposed, and they did just a little bit. I am still not a believer in Romeo Cornell. I do think this could be close. If this was Colts by six and a half or six or five and a half, um, I would be a little bit more apt to take Houston. But three points, I think, you know, at, at worst, I'm feeling it could be a push. At best, I think Colts cover. Okay. Bo, who you got?
2: Okay. So, I quickly looked at the at the uh, the uh, the schedule here for the Colts because I didn't know what I wanted to do here. I have not been a believer of the Colts at all. Uh, I'm not a believer in the Texans, although I think it's kind of cool that everyone's donating money to Deshaun Watson's um, charity because he got Matt Patricia fired last week. So I don't <laughs> have you guys talked about Matt. That was the guy you guys were hoping that Patricia. He's oh gone. yes,
0: we we, we we finished the job. We had a party. It was nice. Yeah.
2: So yeah, go uh, farewell party for yes. Matt Patricia. Yes. Him and his laminated car with his pencil. Yeah. We we
0: threw one so, for him and and a one for Bill O'Brien and and yeah. uh, we got uh, some others lined up uh, throughout the next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah. So uh-huh. I, I'm, on the on the Texans thing, players love playing for Romeo Cornell. He is the ultimate players coach. People, I mean, whenever he's an interim, he does a great job. He's shown that with the Texans last couple of weeks. Um, I also was looking at the schedule and I saw the Colts and I was like, wow. When the Colts win their last three, they, they beat the Packers by three, but every other win has been by double digits except for the Bears at the Bears and the Packers a couple weeks ago at home. If this were a larger spread, I would take the Texans. Or if I was going to pick the Texans, I'd take them outright. But I'm taking the Colts because of the smaller spread here. So Colts minus three. Last game on the
0: docket, it's the Lions taking on the Bears. The Bears are a three-point favorite. Guys, both these teams are trash. Hot garbage. This was probably the toughest game to pick because how do you figure out, okay, what team is going to play possibly worse between these two? Here's what I came down to. Matt Stafford or Mitch Trubisky? Pretty easy choice at that point. Give me Stafford and the points as a three-point underdog to uh, take care of business. Bo, who you got?
2: Okay, so we're... We were on the same thing in there, Padna. Um, Yeah, it comes down to why would any team with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback be a favorite? <laughs> I mean, unless he's going back to North Carolina and maybe they're playing well, they may, they may be a favorite with him against App State. Um, <laughs> I'm taking the Lions. I'm taking the Lions here and I'll, I'll take the Lions for the anti Matt Patricia rule, watch these guys come out and play like their hair is on fire because the uh, the uh, scam artist on the sideline with the laminated card and the pencil is gone. <laughs> right, Here's a laminated card with a pencil. <laughs> come on, who's he trying to fool? He ain't fooling me. I've been on the sideline with a laminated card. You know what I mean? You know what you can use on there? You use a sharpie <coughs> or or one of those dry erase markers. Okay, oh. I like using a sharpie define by choice you don't use a <laughs> damn pencil out of here with your bullshit Matt Patricia <laughs> all <Man>. right <laughs> Tom please try to follow that, that bothers up me.
1: That bothers me.
0: <laughs> try to follow that yeah, up please. You know, this
1: was a hard game for me this is a hard game for me and you do mention the Matt Patricia thing and I didn't really think about this because this is the first time I looked at the slate and I had originally had picked the Bears Did- so, Trubisky's in. Nick Foles is hurt. Uh, Nick Foles is benched. Mm. Benched. I think we could see Nick Foles again. Really, here's why. And I didn't even think about the Matt Patricia thing until you guys said it. And I know I'm on the fire, the coach carousel, like Jones is. This is a fire your coach podcast. Uh, and I didn't even think about that because I just ran through the games, um, picking them because today's when I saw the slate. Before we started this, um, I would like to see the stat on the teams that have fired their coach this season, one being the Falcons, the other being Texans. Who else has fired their coach this season? Um, Are those the teams? This is the third
2: one. Before yeah. Way
1: too, a- right. So if I recall right, and I know, actually, I know I'm right on both teams, the Falcons, I. Don't believe had won a game until they fired Dan Quinn. And the Texans were in the same boat. And I know Lions have won.
0: Falcons have now won. Terrible. The Falcons have now won four out of their last six with Raheem Morris at the helm. He's probably going to get to keep that job in Atlanta now. Right. But both of those
1: teams, after they fired their coach, they came out the next game and they won. And I know the Texans did, and I know the Falcons did. And if the Lions had not fired Patricia, I'm sticking with the Bears. But since they did, I think the Lions come out just like the Falcons, just like the Texans, and I think they win this game. Trubisky, you guys mentioned, Bears won the first one in Detroit uh, by four. I think the Lions can pull this one off. And, you know, throw me the – don't the three-dog bone. Um, I, I'll take the Lions. I, I, I think the coaching thing, I think that is one of those constants this year that we'll look back, and maybe the Jets will win a game when they fire Adam Gase.
0: <laughs> maybe that's the only reason why that they haven't won a game at this point is because Adam Gase is still employed. But there you have it. That's uh, our pigskin pick'em. Uh, TJ, by the way, on his NFL games, i, I got to mention these real quick. Um, he took the Titans, Rams, Bills, Texans, and Bears is uh, who TJ went with, uh, along with Wisconsin, Auburn, Coastal Carolina, App State, and Oklahoma State for his college picks. So there you have it. That is our pigskin pick'em for this week presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Bo, before we let you run here, uh, one more time, plug uh, O'Connor Advisory Group where people can find you guys.
2: Okay, so O'Connor advisory group, but we think that Mitchell Trubisky is going to end up getting cut at the end of the season. (laughs) Uh, If he needs a job, he can give me a call. Uh, (laughs) No,
0: don't hire him. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't hire Matt Patricia. You know that. You know better than that.
2: I will not hire Matt Patricia. That's scam. (laughs) it's a scale <laughs> yeah so uh, hey o'connor Advisor group give give us a shout out our new website our new website's up it looks great check us out uh oagks.com uh, we'd love to chat with you we want to be your partner give us a call all your financial insurance needs a couple more things before we are
0: done time for the big 12 basketball breakdown and we are just over a week into the college basketball season. And we, we didn't really want to do a preview of sorts last week because, you know, college basketball is so tough to really talk about without seeing anything. And now a weekend. And I got to tell you, this uh, Big 12 basketball league looks really, really good. You got to start out with the number two team in the land, Baylor. They defeated the uh, Fighting Brad Underwoods uh, 82-69 to on Wednesday night. And Baylor they brought back about everybody from last year, including their star, Jared Butler. And, uh, you know, th- they got a fantastic team. That's a Final Four caliber team, and they're playing some great ball right now. Uh, great start to the season for Baylor. Now they're going to play Gonzaga this weekend. Gonzaga and KU went toe to toe on Thanksgiving Day. KU had chances, but ultimately Gonzaga pulled away and won that game one hundred two to ninety. But the score was not indicative of how close that game was. It was a game of runs, and Gonzaga got a run late. So it, that's what uh, that game ended up coming down to. Gonzaga all that length, and you know they, they were just a better team in Kansas. Nothing to hang Kansas' hats on. They competed hard. um, But Gonzaga was just simply a better team. Then West Virginia we see, who looked like, you know, on paper, like, yeah, Gonzaga, that's a lot better team than West Virginia. They go toe-to-toe. That game goes down to the wire. West Virginia was leading in the second half. Gonzaga pulls away by five. So the third shot for a Big 12 team to take on this Gonzaga Bunch. And Bill Self, he said after the game against the Zags on Thursday that he felt this Gonzaga team was probably a top three team he's ever coached against and only comparable to the Kentucky team that went undefeated in the regular season and the Anthony Davis Kentucky team that won the national championship. Um, So... We'll see what Baylor does, but you've had two KU teams compete with that number one team in the country, and in KU's case, very young. They're going to be a lot better when the season uh, gets older. You know, later on in the year, you know, McCormick was bad in those first two games. He'll get better. Bryce Thompson's coming along. Jalen Wilson was awesome in that win against Kentucky. Big time win for KU. Uh, they played ugly, but good teams find ways to win. And so Kansas is going to be fine. They'll have their growing pains. They'll have some slumps of some sorts, but that Kansas team is going to be really good. Um, Will they be as good as Baylor? Maybe not. But nonetheless, Kansas is a Final Four caliber team. West Virginia, very good team. Uh, Down year a little bit last year under uh, what we saw from, uh, from Huggy Bear squad last year. But now we've seen them change some things up from their typical press. Virginia, they're evolving, they're adapting, and it's working for Huggy. Texas, man, you talk about this team, Tom. Texas, a lot of pressure on, on uh, the Horns entering this season, make or break year for Shaka Smart. Um, you know, he's held on to his job by a razor thin margin, while his predecessor, Rick Barnes, is kicking ass at the University of uh, Tennessee. Um And Texas is off to a hot start. Ranked like 17th in the country. They win the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina, defeating UNC. And you had that buzzer beater, a uh, big time win for them. You go down the line, we haven't seen Oklahoma yet this year. Um, you know, still, they've had some COVID issues of sorts. Oklahoma State, they're 3 0. They had a big time win against Marquette, Cade Cunningham. Is just ridiculous. Um, One of the best freshmen I've ever seen. Period. Now I know it's been three games. That might be an overreaction Monday. But this guy is going to be phenomenal at the next level. And, you know, hopefully that Oklahoma State team can get eligible, win their appeal, and he could do some special things with that Oklahoma State team. Nonetheless, they're going to make some noise in the Big 12 this year. Um, K State's bad. TCU's bad. You know, we'll see about, uh, you know, Texas Tech is a top-20 team. They're really good. Um, We've seen, Tom, a lot of good basketball, the Big 12, this last 10 years. This is a basketball conference. Been the best basketball conference in the country the last several years. I think, and this is not a stretch to say, this is going to be the best year ever ever for Big 12 basketball with where these teams are already at right now. They're only going to get better from here. I've been very impressed a weekend at this point.
1: Oh, I mean, out of the 10 teams, I mean, you got, you know, eight of those that that have a chance to make some noise. I mean, with what West Virginia did, Texas looking good. Obviously, we haven't seen OU, but, um, you know, even Rondell Walker for that Oklahoma State team led OSU in scoring against Marquette. Um, and, and you mentioned Cade Cunningham looks unreal. I mean, he could, he could have been draft. He could have come out of high school. He could have been first round draft pick this year, um, and, and made an impact in the, I mean, he looks NBA ready. He looks, he's the most NBA ready freshman I've seen in a while. Um, just off even three games and granted the toughest team was Marquette. Uh, but just the way he plays the fluidity and what he plays is is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, like you said, Baylor, KU, uh, West Virginia, Texas, uh, you know, Oklahoma state, OU, I mean, you, K, I don't, I, I don't know about Iowa state this year. I don't, I don't know much about them, but, um, I agree. This could be the best big 12 basketball year in a long time. Uh, I mean, top down, uh, best, best conference in, in the nation, I think. And I know we're biased obviously, sure. but. I, that's that's not a bold take. That's not a hot take. No, that's not crazy to say. Well, and, and I mean, it,
0: and here anybody it. can
1: call us homers, but I mean, they're wrong.
0: Right? No, so we're, they're
1: right and wrong.
0: We're, we're just stating facts on this one. Now, here's an interesting factor in all this, and my my Kansas people are not going to like me saying this, but I'll say it anyway. Um, so here's some here's a truth bomb for you here. Uh, <laughs> with uh, with Kansas, what we've seen is part of their home court advantage over the years has been not only just the crowd noise and such, but officiating. It's no secret that Kansas gets much favorable calls at home as opposed to when they are on the road or when they're on neutral sites. And we've seen at times over the years where maybe they got too used to what they got at home as opposed to what they got in March, in neutral sites and such like that. Um, The big equalizer of sorts in this Big 12 COVID year will be that Kansas will not have a home court advantage. Your advantage is going to be, okay, you didn't have to travel that day, okay, but officiating what we've seen, what we saw in the bubble uh, in the NBA, and I'm sure... We've seen it you know already in college basketball will continue going forward is that these games without crowds or smaller crowds, the officiating gets more fair, more even of sorts, and if you're Kansas, if you don't have that crowd noise and if you don't have a little bit of help from the officials um that makes this a whole new ball game, not only just talent wise is Baylor the best team and the favorites to win the big twelve, but that Edge of sorts that Kansas had on everyone else compared to the other nine teams in the league, it's gone. It's out the window. That changes the entire bowl game when it comes to winning this Big Twelve regular season title, Tom.
1: Yeah, it does. And and with Baylor being so good, you—I mean—you were talking about Baylor. Um, a little nostalgia, a little pre-COVID. I miss it. Do you remember the two games KU and Baylor played last year? Yeah, insanely good those games were. Uh and and the fans do make up that atmosphere. Those fans do add in why those games are so good. And it's it is hard to believe that KU is going to start the season no fans in the fog. I mean, that uh I mean, it is going to have a weird feel in there with the old wooden old, still old wooden bleachers in there in there.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a weird feel.
0: Yeah, uh, they'll play Washburn tonight. Uh, Washburn, of course, out of Topeka. They're coached by Brett Ballard, uh, the former uh, Jayhawk himself. And, uh, you know, that'll be their first game playing in front of no fans. And, you know, that'll certainly be a wake-up call of some sorts. Bill Self said the other night, you know, after they beat Kentucky, that it didn't feel like a game at all, not one bit that it felt like a scrimmage and watching it on TV. I felt like that we were getting like a live look in that we were getting to sit in on the scrimmage of some sorts, but that's what college basketball is going to be uh, for this upcoming year. And for some folks, I mean, it's, it's g- going to look like a KU home football game. <laughs> uh, let's go for the low hanging fruit there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's what it's going to be. I think that Tom uh, you know, football-wise, we, we've seen, you know, whether it was the piped-in crowd noise or, uh, you know, some of these giant stadiums and everything, um, you know, open-air stadiums. Maybe there's folks outside the stadium that make some noise or something like that. But the, these basketball gyms, I think this is going to be the most noticeable sport. College basketball in particular is going to have the biggest impact of not having fans there in place.
1: Right, and and obviously NBA is a little different than college for sure. I feel like the fan impact in college for college basketball far outweighs anything NBA could ever do, um, you know. And these these college athletes too are going to be you know missing the fans just like a lot of the NBA players said they missed the fans. Unfortunately, you can't do a bubble for college basketball, and unfortunately the NCAA and Just the conferences aren't going to go to the lengths that the NBA went to to make it feel more normal.
0: Well, here's what we are seeing, though, is uh, some of these non-conference tournaments uh, are based in what they call Bubbleville. They've had that going on, but that's a short-term thing, not a long-term for the season. And it does sound like the NCAA tournament is going to be in Indianapolis for the entire thing, and everybody's going to camp out there and be there uh, you know for weeks on end for those that are competing for the rest of the season but um, we've seen a lot of cancellations within this first week and I think the target number is 27 games I would be shocked if uh, there's very many teams that get all 27 games in KU they have an early trying to stack as many games as they can early on in Tom this week they're playing three games. That's that we never see that in college basketball. You have weeks where you play one game or two games in normal seasons, but I, I think that's gonna be the norm now. Teams are gonna try to pack in games and see what they can here. You know, as John Rothstein has been saying, you know, stay positive and test negative. Uh that's gonna be the theme of sorts and try to pack in these games here.
1: Yeah, I mean you know, you've seen what, you know, as, as news keeps coming out about COVID every week, uh, you know, who knows when things might, you know, I knock on wood, I don't think anything's going to get shut down completely, but, uh, at the same time, you never know. Um, you know, we just had Thanksgiving, um, how many more cases will show up and as a result from Thanksgiving, we have Christmas and, and, you know, f- for a lot of these people, um, you know, not just, athletes, but everybody, uh, you know, we, we've seen a spike in COVID after pretty much every holiday, uh, don't one's skipping Christmas. I can guarantee you that. And if they, I mean, not a whole lot of people. So yeah. where are we at middle January? Right. I mean, I, I don't, I don't blame them. Get all the games you can in now.
0: Right. Uh, no question about that. Um, let's move on to the NBA. The big news that uh, Russell Westbrook is headed to the Washington Wizards to reunite with his former head coach, Scott Brooks, there in Oklahoma City. And Scotty was one of the few coaches that spoke very highly about Russ after coaching Russ, who was a big defender of his, enjoyed playing, uh, you know, enjoyed coaching him and such. Um you know, that is an interesting marriage to see that reunited. John Wall heads to Houston, and a first-round draft pick is uh, is being sent with, uh, with John Wall to the Houston Rockets. And, you know, I, I get it where both these teams were coming from, Tom. In the case of Washington, they had plateaued a little bit. Scott Brooks needed... An effort to save his job, do something different. I get that. I don't know if it'll work, but it's it, it's at least worth a shot. I get where they're coming from in Washington. In Houston's case, Russell Westbrook wanted out. James Harden wants out. John Wall. I know that you know he he hasn't won any anything significant in the playoffs, but nonetheless, you bring a player of that caliber in. Uh, and you get a first-round pick, I, I think that considering the circumstances, this was kind of a win for both sides, personally.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, obviously Russell Westbrook wasn't happy uh, in Houston. John Wall was, I don't really think, was happy in, in Washington. Now, if you would have told me two years ago John Wall was out of Washington before Bradley bill is, uh, I would have called you crazy. Uh, lo and behold, now you pair up Westbrook with, you know, you pair him up with, Bradley Bill and you pair him up with the addition, their draft pick, uh, the Denny kid from Israel. Uh, you know, Scott Brooks is has, has got a little bit of something to work with here. And, you know, you know Russell Westbrook, you know, couldn't have been mad about, you know, pairing back up with Brooks uh, and getting out of that nightmare situation in Houston. Um and and for John Wall, new beginnings. Yeah. Uh be a little weird to see John Wall on a different team, but um, that being said, I, I think this is a win-win for both, both squads.
0: Well, and, and uh, for Russ's case, Tom, I don't know if he wants to, you know, be in DC necessarily, but I think the fact that he is going to a coach that wants to coach him, that wants to utilize him and make him their number one option and run the offense through him, um, that's a lot of trust there, uh, to me you've had some disconnect with Russell Westbrook and his role in some of these offenses, even his days in Oklahoma city with Billy Donovan of sorts um, that says a lot when you have a coach that wants to commit to Russell Westbrook like that. I think, I think that's big for Russ.
1: Right. And, and for Russell Westbrook, uh, uh, for him to be able to work in an offense, I think he needs to be the, the focus. Um, and, you know, Scott Brooks knows that and, you know, familiarity for both Brooks and Westbrook. I, I mean, I think that'll work out good for Washington.
0: In um, uh, John Wall being there in Houston, do you, do you expect that to stay? And does does James Harden stay to play with John Wall? How does that all unfold there in uh, Houston? Uh, a team that is certainly looking to a uh, rebuild of sorts. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, Harden's going to want you know has wanted out now. His buddy Westbrook is gone. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, they just got DeMarcus Cousins as well. Who knows what the hell's he's worth anymore, considering all his injuries. But maybe they go like an OKC light and just start trying to flip it for picks. Um, I could see them going that route, especially... I mean, if Harden leaves, then it's it's collapsed everything and so what farm you do have. Um, and, you know as a not Houston Rockets fan, it is nice to see. Um, but man, what a what a fall Dan Tony sounds like he got out at the right time.
0: (laughs) Oh, it certainly, uh, seems to be the case. LeBron, he signs an extension to stay with the Lakers for a couple more seasons, two years, $85 million. LeBron still playing at a high level, two years on that, um, You know, for LeBron, he gets paid a lot of money here in this two-year deal, and the Lakers not having to commit to an older player for a long amount of time. This seems like a win for both sides. In particular, I like this for the Lakers here for uh, what they're getting LeBron to to get him. Yes, they're paying him a lot and well-deserved, but on the short-term leash, uh, this is a brilliant move by the Lakers the way this worked out.
1: Yeah. See where you're at in two years time. I mean, you know, age has got to catch up to LeBron eventually, but I mean, as far, and we know this just because of this information is released, but he, he probably takes the best care of his body than any other player in the NBA. Um, and that's not crazy to say. I mean, this guy's in a fucking hyperbaric chamber all the time. Uh, I mean, he, you know, routinely is, is putting his body first. Um, And, and, you know, with all the minutes he's played, I mean, you have to. But uh, that amount of money, I mean, any other NBA team would have been glad to show out that money for LeBron for two years on their team. So, uh, I mean, can't beat it.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Christmas Day schedule is out. Uh, It all gets started opening night. Going to be December 22nd. Kevin Durant. Gonna play his old team, the Warriors, his first game back on a December twenty second. Then it's the Clippers and the Lakers as well. Twenty third, you got the Bucks and the Celtics, the Mavs and the new look Phoenix Suns. And then Christmas Day, gonna be the uh, Pelicans and the Heat. Uh, Warriors take on the Bucks. The Nets will face Boston. Uh, the Marquee game of sorts is uh, going to be the Mavs and the Lakers, and then uh, the nightcap, uh, Clippers and the uh, Nuggets. Uh, a couple things to take away from that schedule, Tom. Uh, the NBA obviously has uh, some emphasis on the Nets. They would like to see the Nets be competitive and turn into something uh, with what they got going on with Kyrie and. And Kevin Durant, Uh, I think the NBA needs an Eastern time zone team of sorts to really step up. They think the Nets could be that team uh, in addition to the Celtics. Uh, Obviously, there's some interest in the Warriors uh, of getting better from what they were at last year, some hope there. Um, And then the Mavs getting that date with the Lakers there. Um, We know the Mavs finish off the year well, and Luka is, uh, you know, one of the, top three players in the NBA at this point in time. Uh, the NBA seems to be going all in on the Mavs and Luka if they're giving them that spot to take on the Lakers there. That's that's exciting.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, the Mavs will be a team to watch, and, and even that Mavs-Suns game, I think, will be very interesting. Uh, I mean, a lot of good games, and, you know, it, it doesn't feel like we've been away that long from the NBA, so it'll be weird for it to start back up. I mean, in in literally less than three weeks, Um, it'll be very weird. But uh, I am excited for it to come back. Uh, You know, they're going to do some fans this season, but Jones is going to be a lot different. The tickets are going to be, you know, out of this world expensive, I imagine. Yeah. Um, Are you going to make an NBA game this year? Uh, I don't know.
0: Uh, I would like to go down to Oklahoma City and see a game – or two, uh, if I can, but we'll just see kind of like everything else. That's been as of late, uh, you just kind of play by ear, I guess at uh, this point in time, but Tom, uh, that does it for our NBA discussion. Uh, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week, this week, Tom, where are we going to head to this time?
1: Jones, we're going to, we're going to quick hit you with two quick stories here. And I'm doing this, uh, because we talked about, I think it's. Two or three weeks ago, remember how I just went off on kangaroos just randomly? Yes. And I, did, you guys were, like, you were just like, I'm surprised at your knowledge. It's one of those things where you just read the the news stories of the day, and within five posts of each other, two kangaroo stories on complete opposite sides, or you know, two different continents here. So I'll give you the first one, and,
0: and you're a big kangaroo um, guy. We found out.
1: Right, And, uh, you know, surprisingly, I, I don't know where that came from, but you know, I do know a, a decent share about them. Um, this we're going to Illinois for the first one. Peru police save Wallaroo, who ended up in Illinois River, Peru, Illinois. That is, Peru police managed to rescue a Wallaroo. I don't know, as a see, you're starting to learn everything. There we go. You learn something new every day, Jones. you know what a lo- Wallaroo
0: is? I do not.
1: Okay. Well, one was on the loose in the LaSalle County city after it was found in the Illinois River Wednesday afternoon. Police said the Wallaroo is a male named Wally. Wallaroos are an in- intermediate in size between kangaroos and wallabies. Makes sense. Neighbors documented what they saw through photos and videos as Wally made his way across the city. Police fire, and citizens tracked Wally around Peru for two hours. Eventually Wally ended up in the Illinois River before being pulled out by Peru police and rushed to a local vet. Wally is lawfully owned and possessed by a state permit. Police are asking residents to send Wally good vibes for a quick recovery. City of Peru Police Department tweet or Facebook if one is tuned into social media in the Peru area. You're certain to know the rescue efforts of Wally. Uh, for hours, we, along with many good citizens and city employees, among others, tracked Wally through Pereira and our river bottoms. Peru police confirmed a Wallaroo was spotted hopping its way. Um, see, click hit story there. Jones, uh, you know, I've seen some pretty wild stuff, uh, you know, animal-wise. I would definitely capture a kangaroo if I could get my hands on it, if it was running down my block. I live in you know in Bartlesville, which is not you know huge cityscape, but I did see a raccoon on my street the other day, uh, a very big one, and I was shocked. And it jumped down a sewer drain or like a a, you know rainwater drain, uh, double the size of a large house cat. I was shocked, but you don't really see too many things like that. I would be shocked to see a kangaroo. Um, I'll have to find maybe the stats next week, but there are states you can legally own a kangaroo in, uh, Illinois obviously being one of those. I don't think you can legally own one in Oklahoma, unfortunately. I don't know about Kansas. The other one, Jones, um, this one comes from Melbourne, Australia. This is your other kangaroo story. And this one is not as good. It's not a wallaroo, uh, a little bit bigger this time. And it comes from, you know, where kangaroos actually are. Sarah, this is weird. Sarah Jessica Parker perfume, right? Weird kangaroo story already here. Okay. Sarah Jessica Parker perfume blamed for Melbourne kangaroo attack. Like what? A woman who was stalked and attacked by a kangaroo on the outskirts of Melbourne has revealed the bizarre reason she was targeted. Tracy Noonan said she usually sees ruse. See, this is definitely Australian. I mean, no one call, I mean, you call them ruse, but just to address them like that in a news article is weird to me. She usually sees ruse all the time while running in Beaconsfield on Melbourne's outskirts, but on Saturday, a lone roo spotted her and just kept edging closer. It had to jump a couple of fences to actually get to me. And by the last fence, I thought, oh, my God, this kangaroo is not going to stop. She told 3AW's breakfast show, Ross and Russell. She said within a moment of her turning back and covering her head, there was a massive thump on her back. She fell to the ground and turned to see the kangaroo standing over her. I put my head down because I thought, oh, my goodness, this is now going to claw me to death. It all sort, It all sort of happened so fast. Miss Noonan said she stayed for a minute on the ground and then slowly got up and began walking away, but the roo followed. She threw a handful of rocks its way to stun it, giving her enough time to escape into the nearest house. But the determined roo was on her tail, following her up the driveway into the front yard. The residents came out and scared it away while Miss Noonan sat with them to calm down. But as she went to leave... There was the Rue waiting again. It was something out of a horror movie. It just kept coming and coming. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, this kangaroo is going to kill me. Miss Noon said she spoke to a local ranger to explain what happened. He seems to think it could have possibly been my perfume. It was Sarah Jessica Parker perfume. It's so funny because who puts on perfume to go on a run? I left early in the morning and was fumbling around for deodorant and that's all I could find. I was not trying to attract any kangaroos. I can assure you that. Jones, I told you, these fuckers <laughs> don't mess around. They won't attack you. I knew it. I knew it. And maybe the ones that I petted in the Arkansas Zoo were sedated. Or maybe they were just chill that chill. Uh, I don't see. It shows, I don't know, this, they show a picture um, of a kangaroo here. But this one doesn't look very intimidating. And I don't think this could have been the one. So, also, it doesn't look very tall.
0: So, we could go to New Mexico, Texas, or Illinois. That would be our closest states to go to uh, to get a kangaroo with a permit. Um, I'm down for this, Tom. I got some friends in uh, New Mexico. Um, do you think they would mind if they, uh, they watched a kangaroo for us? You know, just leave it... Uh, leave it for them to take care of and we take care of the permit and the fees and such.
1: There you go. We can, that, that give be the new show sponsor. That's what we should get. We should get a sponsor that has to do with
0: kangaroos. Did you see the movie growing up? That's the uh, official
1: animal of the Jones report.
0: Did you see the movie growing up? Uh, kangaroo Jack. Oh yeah. That's a great
1: movie. Oh yeah. It is a great movie. I'm telling you, and that one that fights, uh, what's I forget the guy's real name, and, and kangaroo jack. Kangaroos can actually get super buff. Yeah. The one yeah. that I told you a couple weeks ago on the show that was uh, fighting that guy's dog, uh, and the guy had to go and punch it, that kangaroo was jacked. You ever seen like a, a pit bull that is just all muscle? Yeah. It's front arms and chest and head is just all rock hard muscle. That's what some of these kangaroos look like, just on a massive scale. I'm telling you, I, you know, everything in the outback can kill you, even the kangaroo. Do you remember? And so Jones, don't wear Sarah Jessica Parker perfume to a zoo.
0: Okay. Uh, I like Sarah Jessica Parker. She was great in uh, Sex of the City and uh, All Your launch. launch. Yeah, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is great. She's married to uh, Oh Ferris Bueller. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kangaroo Jack, do you remember what the uh, movie poster line was, like the slogan of the movie? Uh, remind me. Kangaroo Jack, he stole the money and he's not giving it back.
1: Oh, uh, that is, yeah, they do try to get, get the money back. See, yeah, I mean, you don't want to.
0: That movie had a Maybe that's how rob a bank. I'll
1: release a kangaroo in the bank.
0: Right. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell was in that. Anthony Anderson. um, That's who he fights, yeah. Christopher Walken.
1: Oh, yeah, that's Jeff. See that underrated movie? That was a Jerry uh, Bruckheimer
0: film. There you go, underrated. Maybe we need to uh, do a film review of Kangaroo Jack or something like that one of these days since we are a pro kangaroo show
1: there you go get the uh i guess it's, I don't know if it's official or not the uh we're working on it no no don't
0: well that's a tease for later well uh, one day folks you will understand what Tom was actually just about to spill but that is uh something for later. I'm
1: not going to I'm not I'm not spilling the tea just yet but, but let's uh, just
0: say that uh movie reviews and This show, um, there could be a connection of some sorts. And not necessarily this show directly, but our podcast network of sorts. I'll leave it at that. Jones and
1: I are starring in Kangaroo Jack, too. That's That's it. it.
0: Perfect. Exactly. Wink, wink. Uh, I'm going to be the kangaroo. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. I couldn't think of a better role for you. We got to (laughs) run. Big thanks to... Uh, Seth Kaiser for joining us Also Brian O'Connor for stopping by as well uh, For the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em uh, Also want to remind you Let's Go Racing with David Starr Debuted this week And you got to check that out If you haven't already YouTube, Apple, Spotify All that stuff just like you do with this show And subscribe to the Jones Report Apple, Spotify, Google Play Leave us a 5 star review Or don't leave us one at all Facebook.com forward slash Toddler Jones Live Toddler Jones Media Group uh, Twitter at Toggler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group. Instagram, Toggler Jones Live, Jones underscore report, it's Thomas. You can find us there, and we'll see you right back here on Monday for another edition of the Jones Report. Until then, I'm Toggler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you
3: on Monday.